podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. All right, we are back. That means you are back. Episode number 97 of the Sons of UCF. As always, I am Adam, and I've got my good buddy UCF Mike with me this week. And we're going to take you through a roller coaster of a show. That's right. We've got a lot of ground to cover. We are so close to the season kicking off, and our job is to get you prepared. We're going to do that by a few things. One, Mike's weekly picks are back, so we'll tell you who's good in and around the American Conference so you know what to look out for as the season starts. We're also going to give you some headlines. Some people opted out. Has the schedule changed? You need to know the info. We've got the info. We will share that with you including NFL uh, nights and where they fared. But the heart of the show today will be a a depth chart breakdown. Mike and I will go position by position, and we will make uh, predictions about the depth chart. So you're not going to miss that. A couple of surprises in there that we're maybe projecting, predicting things we're hearing. And so uh, take a listen, and you tell us if you think that we got it all right. And then, obviously, cow of the week, right? So action-packed show. You're going to want to hear every single solitary marshal of it, as always. But uh, before we do that, Mike, uh, how are things with you? Man, happy holiday weekend. I know it's Labor Day weekend. Hopefully you and yours had a uh, had a fun, relaxing weekend. Yeah, things went great around here. Good time. Today is Labor Day. We had no work today. So a nice, relaxing day. Didn't do anything today. Just kind of relaxed. A couple things around the house. Watched some TV. And then got to talk to you now for the last couple hours. Well, hold on. Did yeah. you say Labor Day? You know what that makes me think about, Mike? Oh boy! UCF players that connote Labor Day. What do you got? Who are we going with here? We got anybody? No, we're not. We're not doing this game. We suck at this game. No, we're good at it. We got. We got to have somebody, right? Anybody named we're Jobs? Good. No, hold on. Let me think. We're good at it when we have time to think about it and yeah. we, we plan it. Which you know, last year, the first time we did it, I think was Halloween, and then we had, we did that before the show even started. We came up with a whole bunch of them. Yeah. And then Thanksgiving, I think we did okay. Some some obvious names. Then. This year we've just been horrible, man. We we left Greg Greg Lovelady out of Valentine's Day. That <laughs> the most obvious one I think ever up until last week when we're talking about weather names and we almost didn't put Storm Johnson in there. Yeah. I mean, to be so, fair, we actually didn't. I had to edit that back in after after we finished <laughs> recording, so we actually didn't put it back. But come on, Labor Day is how hard could this be? Well, I mean, what do you what words may uh, work, job, uh, you know, vacation, off day? What do, what do we got? Anything? I've got nothing. Man. We just, <laughs> I just told you, you guys something. I mean, in the football, basketball, we got get anybody, baseball players. I mean, somebody's gotta, you know, just think about like free time or, or time off or. You know, uh, family time, vacation. I mean, what are the words coming with Labor Day? I don't even. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Huh? Uh, no, I'm drawing a complete blank right now. How about offensive linemen? Uh, tomorrow we are Kyle back at work. No. No, we're not. Okay. <laughs> Kyle back. We have a guy named Kyle back. Yeah, we sure do. Right now, number sixty-four on the roster. Check it out. Right. <laughs> Shit. Then sure, that works. All right, so we're Kyle back to work tomorrow. Okay. But you know what? There is going to be an obvious name that we're completely whiffing on, and it'll probably be something you know. We've had a guy named Workman or something that I can't think of right now. I don't know. Probably. But, uh, yeah, we suck at this game. So I so, think from now on, we need to make a, a show rule where if we're going to do this game, we have to talk about it at least a day in advance and have something ready. Because okay. when we try to do it off the cuff, we're no good. Okay. I wonder how people following along, listening to the show. 
how many of them were screaming in their cars? Like I'm sure last week a bunch of guys were screaming. Somebody wrote on Twitter. They were just screaming at <laughs> their radio. Storm Johnson. Yeah. But, uh, it must happen every time we do this game. Yeah. We just need to figure out a way to keep playing this game until we find a holiday where Jake Hescock comes into play. But uh, we haven't quite gotten there yet. So until we do, maybe we'll, we'll semi-retire it and uh, we'll uh, we'll bring it back. But uh, tell us who we forgot. Or I'm sure after the show ends, Michael texts me in like a half hour and tell me like six guys that uh, that we could have. Uh, Cam, it's good to have a day off. No? Anything? Yeah, I'll give you that one. All right. Well. If this doesn't make you want to listen to the rest of the show, I'm not sure what will. Stick around. Sons of UCF. We're back right after this. Mike and Adam, Sons of UCF. That'll move those chains. That's good enough for another UCF. First down. All right. The moment we've been waiting for, Mike. It's been long rumored and, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of speculation. But the, probably the biggest news we heard this past week was we finally know who is opting out on the season. So here's a couple of things that we, you know, haven't changed much. The schedule still is what it is. Um, as everything stands right now, September 19th, three 30 Eastern standard time. Uh, the, uh, the Georgia tech ramble and wreck will be, uh, will be hosting us in the UCF nights. So that is still on the schedule. Um, we'll see what happens. There was a game this weekend or, or maybe this upcoming weekend, Mike TCU pulled out of a game because they had some people not testing, I'm not saying Georgia Tech's in that boat. I'm just saying that this is how tenuous this stuff is. So nothing's changed on the scheduling front. I know there's a lot of uh, people clamoring still for a 10th game, but nothing nearly new there. The BYU rumors seem to have fizzled out. There's a, a small movement on Twitter trying to get the, that thing back together. Um, but as of right now, it seems like that thing is uh, is not going anywhere, Mike. So we're standing pat at nine, and now we know who will be playing for those nine. So let me read these names for you quickly, and then we can talk through. Probably the biggest name and the name that we all knew, Tay Gowan uh, has opted out. Um, surprising name, perhaps, Daryl Mack has opted out. Mason Chaloa has opted out. Kalia Davis, Devontae Dawson, Elijah Benoit, Alan Adams, Adrian Medley, Ladarius Benson, and Kendrick Wilson. So those are the 10 players that have opted out. This actually got a lot of news, Mike. It was all over. I saw ESPN had it. I saw SI had it. I don't know if it's the sure number of players or because it was UCF. But uh, first things first, obviously, anything on this list surprised you? I mean, I think we knew we knew a little bit about it already, but biggest surprise or anything that surprised you when this came out? Surprising, no, because we follow this pretty closely. We've kind of heard the rumors for a few weeks now about Gowan and even Mac, and how um, – Claudia Jones has kind of passed Mac on the depth chart, whether that played into it or not, maybe, or maybe Mac just had his mind made up. You know, he's also a new, fa- both those guys are fathers to baby, uh, brand new babies the last few months or in the last year. So you understand their concerns health wise. Um, Mac will still have a couple years of eligibility now, so he can go somewhere and be a starter for somebody and still go on with his professional career, maybe make a name for himself and go on to the NFL. Gowan has already declared himself for the draft. He's ready to go now. So in their eyes, they're doing what's best for them and what's best for their families and good for them. Anybody that's going to attack those guys for doing what they think is best, then that's pretty stupid to do. But um, the other guys on the list, a, a lot of them are, you know, contributors. Some guys, not as much. Uh, the thing I, that hit me was it's offensive and defensive line guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them. Pretty much the rest of that list is offensive and defensive line guys, and, and that's where we really need depth, and that's what may end up hurting us in the long run. 
Well, if you think about it from a safety standpoint, you know, if you're a quarterback like Daryl Mack, you know, again, I, I, he's obviously got situations outside of football. So I'm just talking football only. No one's touching you most of the game, right? If you're if you're Tay Gowan, you're probably not getting touched a bunch. But when you play on the line, like every play, you are running face first into another dude who has got blood and sweat and spit and Lord knows what else all over him or his jersey. And so it's, I guess it's not surprising when you think about the amount of contact those guys are going to be under basically every single play that perhaps they have some, you know, reservations or, you know, they want to be, they want to be extra sure. Um, you know, the two guys, uh, we, we kind of heard rumors about Chalia and, and Davis, um, but those, those two are, are, to me, Mike, those are big, um, those are big losses because while the D line and, and Shane Burnham and the, and the Randy Shannon rotate those guys like a, you know, like a NASCAR pit crew in there. Um, it, it certainly did, uh, did, did, you know, last season have uh, a lot of, uh, you know, moments for Chalia and, and Davis to, to play and to play well. And they were big contributors, um, a, a few different times throughout the season. So that one surprised me a little bit. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about depth chart coming up here, but I think you're, to your point that that hurts from a depth standpoint for sure. Absolutely. That's still the position where we're, we're not sure. We have guys that are emerging now. Traymond Morris Brash had, had a big freshman year. He looks like he's ready to go. Randy Charlton's been developing the last couple of years. The whole defensive line was a question mark going into last season. This year, we were a little more familiar with the guys, but still no breakout superstars. It's not like our wide receiver group or our running backs group where we, we know for sure the main guys. Uh, there's still a chance that there's people on this defensive line that we're not that familiar with that, that can still be big contributors or, or some of these guys that are opting out. They could have been those guys. Well, the interesting thing, obviously, so for those who aren't aware, don't recall, this is basically a free year for everybody. Uh, so this is really a year that does not count against eligibility for, for anybody. So in theory, everybody's got a red shirt this year. So one of the main questions becomes, okay, of, of these individuals, is this a precursor to them leaving the program? Is this, you know, something that's going on obviously in their lives? You touched on Gowan has already declared for the draft. Um, Daryl Mack hasn't made any long-term intentions, but uh, you know, one would think that with uh, you know, with, with Dylan Gabriel, with Quadri Jones, with Park Navarro and a new QB signee, you're not signee, I guess um, um, verbal commit this week, Mike, a guy named Mikey Keene also from the Arizona area has, has verbally committed to UCF. So those are four guys younger than younger than Daryl Mack, essentially. Actually, I don't know how old Quadri is. They're probably right around the same age. But those are four guys who have got some youth on them. That uh, if I'm if I'm Daryl Mack, I got to go in now and beat out these four young guys. It's a crowded room, you know. So maybe the writing's on the wall. Um, I, I saw UCF Probs had had posted something on Twitter, essentially saying, "Hey, some of these guys are going to be coming back. Don't worry about it." Uh, Kalia Davis responded back to that and said, "Yeah, I'm coming back." Devonte Dawson responded and said, "Yeah, I'm coming back." I didn't see anybody else responding back on that list, Mike. Uh, so who, who knows what, what you know, Chalia's uh, long-term prospects would be. And again, the three old lineman, Alan Adams, Adrian Medley, who was, uh, he was a pretty big recruit, Mike. He was the kid. I think he went to Texas A&M or committed to A&M and then changed his mind. So I guess we'll see, but do you, do you think this is a precursor for any of these guys to, to step away from the program long-term? It's hard to tell the guys that already came out and said, I'll be back. I guess we got to take them for their word. The guys who haven't said anything, they may be back also. They just don't want to say anything. That's the just the whole wild card in this situation. So the guys that we assume are gone, like Mac, he probably will not be back. But these other guys, they might be. And we're just going to have to find out. And maybe they haven't even made up their minds yet. Maybe they're waiting to see what's happening. 
maybe some of this had to do with playing time and they just wanted to sit a year out and they knew they weren't going to play much this year. Or maybe they actually have you know, legitimate concerns about their health and they don't want to risk themselves for this season. So I, they don't have to tell us why. They have the option to do it and they're using the opt-out this year and they're free to do it. So we just have to respect that decision for now. Well, the good news about this, Mike, is it allows us to get in on a, uh, on a on a yearly tradition here around UCF is we get to climb on the guy who declares for the draft early. Usually we got to wait to the end of the year for this stuff, but Tate Gowan's given us the opportunity to, to do it sooner than normal, right? So as soon as Tate Gowan announced, by the way, hey, I'm going to the draft, uh, you know, there are certainly any number of, uh, of faux draft pundits out there in UCF land who were uh, critical of that decision, who had their opinions or their thoughts on that decision, Mike. Um, obviously we only saw Tay for one season prior to that. He played, uh, at Butler community college, which is part of the, um, uh, the community college scene there in Kansas. If you watched last chance, you, he's one of the schools that the, that school that was featured played against. Um, we only, we only saw him for one season and, uh, obviously cornerback position is tough to, to assess. Can you just, if you're not getting the ball thrown to you, is that good or bad? Who knows? But, uh, Mike, your thoughts on Tay Gowan opting out and again, going to the draft. Uh, he's one of these guys that's always thought he was good enough to play in the NFL and nothing has changed his mind uh, for me last year. He had a very good year and I would have loved to see him in, for another year this year. I, I don't think he proved to us that he's definitely an NFL talent. He, he may end up being that, but we've seen guys come through here and declare early and not make it to the NFL. Uh, Jacoby Glenn, I believe did that early. He looked like he was, he was a, a very good defensive back and he left after, I think, his sophomore year. He had a uh, red shirt year, and then he played two years, and he was out. Yep. Um, and we all know about Snelson. Snelson leaving early and not making the roster either. So he's taking a chance. He could have had another year on film, really had a bust-out season, and made it no doubt to be, a, to be a draft pick. But he has enough confidence in himself. So that's all he really needs, and that's what he's going to go with. Yeah, last year he uh, 31 tackles, uh, two INTs. He uh, also had eight passes defended and a fumble recovery. Um, he stepped in, obviously, when Brandon Moore went out and, and, and played solid. Mike, again, DB numbers are always tough because, you know, sometimes you don't get the ball thrown at you. I know he had been, you know, uh, uh, kind of talking about his, his slogan, Gowan Island, which is kind of a, a normal cornerback thing. Uh, I mean, Jacoby Glenn did play in the league for a few years, and, and obviously, you know, I'm sure – uh, Tay Gowan will will certainly continue to, to train and do all the things he's got to do. He was on the Senior Bowl watch list, so I, I think I assume he can still get an invite to that. Mike, I don't know how that works. Um, that's interesting. If these guys opt out, do they still get a chance to go participate in some of that stuff um, after he's declared? I'm not sure how that works. Um, yeah, I mean, sure. Obviously, we can all say, "Hey, it'd be great to have another year on tape." Uh, obviously, Tay must be hearing things or, or or you know have have some understanding of some things that lead him to think this is the right call for him. Um, you know, seems like a, a, a talented dude, a fast guy, Mike, he was, he's a speedster in, in some respects. So, uh, you know, certainly hope it works out, but it certainly got people talking this, uh, you know, this earlier in the year, we usually don't get to do this second guessing stuff till later in the year, but it gave us a, a chance to, uh, uh, to do that, Mike. So 10 opt outs, that's kind of where we stand. And that's again, where we are right now. Um, I think the deadline to opt out is passed. Um, but again, obviously this being sort of a free year, that does not mean that at some point in time, somebody else might not decide to step away for whatever reason that might be. Uh, so unfortunately, uh, unlike many seasons, this will probably be a fluid year from a, uh, from a roster standpoint. So I guess we'll have to just keep, uh, I don't know, keep our eye on these kind of things. 
is it possible for any of these guys that have opted out to change their mind later? Like in Major League Baseball, who was it? Marcakis that didn't start the year, and then after a couple games said, you know what, I miss my guys and I want to come back and and I want to play. Is that allowed? Do we know? I don't know. That's a great question. It's probably. I know there was a deadline, right? So anytime there's a deadline, it leads you to think that 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 you cannot make a decision past that. However, with so many things going on. Um, and, and who knows where, you know, where, where the season goes at some point right now, Gowan's interesting because he's already declared for the draft, but you know, let's, you know, let's say, you know, there's, there's some issues on the D line and two guys get hurt and we're at game six and, and maybe the, the numbers are better or somebody's feeling better about it. And, and Kalia Davis says, Hey, you know what? I want back in my, my guys are hurt. They, they need us. They need depth. You know, I feel good where I'm at now. My situation is improved or I feel better about my situation. I want to back, I want to, I want back in. I don't know what the NCAA would do about that. I feel like this is the one year they'd be flexible. Um, I guess it, is that a school decision at that point? Do they want to let him back in? I don't even know, but I would, I would think there'd be some window of, of opportunity to come back. But I guess it, I don't know if it's been really clearly defined for anybody yet. I haven't heard anything either way, so I guess we'll all learn together if that situation happens at some point. I do know. I think it, one of these players. I don't want to. I don't want to name it specifically because I don't have it directly. But there was some some chatter going on out there that one of these guys was really a late uh, a late add to this list and kind of wrestled with that decision and and kind of at the you know, the twenty third hour, if you will, to decide to, to opt out. So again, it makes you wonder: could could these guys decide to opt in? Maybe someone's situation changes. Um, you know, maybe there's some family stuff going on and, and that, that subsides. Maybe there's some concern about, you know, vaccines or health and that, that is, is, is eradicated. There's some new testing that's coming out that makes them feel better. I don't know. I guess, I guess just stick tight. I guess the roster is going to be sort of like a revolving door throughout the entire season. So I guess sit tight. And, and as we know more about uh, who's coming in, who's coming out, you know, obviously we will, uh, we'll keep you uh, informed, Mike. But speaking of rosters, this weekend was NFL cutdown day. So the, uh, National Football League had to get their rosters down to 53. And so uh, we had some movement with our, our, our Knights this weekend, Mike. So let me run through these really quickly. Um, these are guys who made rosters, who were on teams on active rosters this year. Mike, I'll go through this. You, you let me know if any of these uh, surprise you. Uh, we have Jordan Aikens uh, staying with Houston. Traquan Smith is still with New Orleans. Matt Prater with Detroit. Brashad Perryman, although injured, still with the Jets. Tristan Hill actually allegedly will be a starter at Dallas, which is a, a really interesting 180 because uh, he, he certainly had a rough rookie season. Latavius Murray is still with New Orleans. Mike Hughes still with Minnesota. Shaquille Griffin still with Seattle. And A.J. Bouye with Denver. Charlie Hewlett, uh, who is the long snapper at Cleveland. And in probably the biggest surprise, Mike, Bruce Miller made the Jacksonville Jaguars. Those are your current Knights who are on active rosters in the NFL. Mike, surprises from that list for you. Uh, guys that have been around the league for a while, like uh, Latavius Murray and uh, A.J. Bouye, those are no surprises. Uh, guys that are sticking in there now for a few years, like Aikens. Um, Tristan Hill is a little bit of a surprise. We, we saw him take that step backwards last year. But, you know, he's starting now. Does that have a lot to do with the injuries the Cowboys have had on the defensive line? Right? They signed – who was the big sign they had from uh, Tampa? Yeah, they had they Gerald, Gerald McCoy uh, tore, I think, a tricep or something, uh, something which is not fun to tear. Uh, new coaching staff. So, he uh, Tristan Hill was drafted under the Jason Garrett regime, and that was uh, – Rod Marinelli was his D coordinator at that point. They're now gone. Uh, so, new coaching staff has come in, and I, I guess Tristan earned a – a starting job, or at least he's in that rotation for a starting job. So uh, that that is surprising too. I think the other name that had been bandied about a little bit um, with some conjecture was was whether or not Traquan Smith 
uh, would uh, would would make the uh, the Saints. I know there's some some conversation about that too as well. I also should mention, like I, I guess I left it off here, but Gabe Davis also made the Buffalo Bills, um, which was obviously no surprise. He's actually had a really good camp. There's a lot of uh, Bills Mafia has now uh, united with UCF Twitter Mafia, and that seems to be a marriage made in heaven because you see a lot of good commentary as well too. So Gabe seems to have uh, solidified a spot and maybe get some playing time this year as well. Matt Prater hanging on. We just had him on a few weeks ago. He's uh, the longest tenured guy in this list here. And Brashad Perryman, who came off a really good year for uh, uh, for Tampa. Mike, looks like he's dealing with some injuries, so we'll see We'll see what we get there. Um, some of the recent guys, though. So these were some some commentaries that uh, uh, happened over the weekend. So Adrian Killens, Nate Evans, both got cut from their respective teams, Philadelphia and Jacksonville. Shortly thereafter, though, Adrian Killens was picked back up. He'll be on the practice squad for the Eagles. And Nate Evans was picked back up. He will be on the practice squad for the Jaguars. But, Mike, probably the most surprising information over the weekend, Shaquem Griffin was cut by the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, he became a, uh, a free agent, essentially cleared waivers, was not signed by any other team, and will reunite with Seattle, but this time only on the practice squad, which you might ask yourself, what does that really mean? Um, I don't have his entire contract in front of me, but it sounds like it's a pretty significant pay cut. Um, somewhere to the tune of like $700,000 he'll lose from his rookie salary contract to now being a practice squad player, Mike. Um, surprises on the uh, practice squad guys, either with AK, Evans, or Shaquem? A little surprised with Killens. We, we heard so much about him throughout the training camp, how well he was doing. And he came out and started talking about how he was the fastest guy on the Eagles and making news like he did right before the Peach Bowl, saying the SEC wasn't ready for his speed. And then they cut him a couple of days later. <laughs> but um, I guess they weren't ready. That was, right. That was a little disappointing. But the, actually, for me, when I heard that news, I was disappointed for him, but I was kind of happy. I thought he was going to be off the Eagles, and I thought maybe some other team would pick him up and I could really root for him again. But now here he is back with the Eagles practice squad. Shaquem, that news hurt. That one hurt because, you know, everybody loves him. And he's back in the practice squad. You know, guys, just because they're on the practice squad doesn't mean they're done, especially in a year like this. Who knows what's going to happen with injuries and then now the coronavirus taking guys off rosters, people may be testing positive. These guys on the practice squad, the NFL does it to them because, like you said, it's a money-saving thing. They have to, they have to get rid of some guys. They have to. They only have so many they can pay so much at a time. But these guys can definitely make their way back into the league on the, on the team and make an impact during this season for sure. So they're not done. But, yeah, you know, it, it did hurt a little bit to see. Well, the interesting thing, too, so the NFL actually um, uh, raised the limit of, of guys who could be on the practice squad. It, it was previously 10. This year it's 16. And so maybe that gives some guys a little bit of an extra chance, right? Maybe a, an AK or a Nate who, who would have been the 11th or 12th guy now gets a chance to stick around for a season. And to your point, you know, continue to practice and, and learn systems and get reps and, and show coaches what they can do. If there's obviously changes within, you know, the uh, the actual uh, active roster injuries or, or anything else, that maybe they get a chance to, to, to jump up. So this actually maybe potentially helps some of these guys. I think for Shaquem, it's obviously probably pretty disappointing. Um, surprised he didn't get picked up elsewhere. Um, you know, I, and maybe there's just so much uncertainty with everything going on right now that, you know, no one wants to take a chance at this point. Um, it's interesting, but his, his brother Shaquille, uh, he's in a contract year so. You got to wonder um, what the future holds for uh, for the Griffins, but at least Shaquem gets to hang around. He's you know he's familiar with Seattle. He, he knows the program, knows 
uh, knows the city, knows the team. So we'll see how that shakes out. But that certainly didn't that did sting a little bit. And then Mike, a couple things that stung as well that we, we still haven't uh, adjudicated out here. Uh, Jordan Franks was cut by the Bengals. I don't believe he's re-signed anywhere yet. Wyatt Miller was let go by the Dallas Cowboys. He is also not re-signed yet. Uh, in a surprise, or maybe it's a surprise. I'm not really sure. It seems like good press was coming his way, but the Minnesota Vikings released Navelle Clark. Uh, and as of this recording, he still has not signed anywhere, did not come back to their practice squad. Um, again, this is interesting, Mike, because there were, there were reports uh, out of Minnesota that he'd played really well. Um, you're hearing some chatter, some articles that he's, you know, he'd been doing a good job. He was out playing some of the other guys, but, uh, when push came to shove, he got, uh, he got cut and, and other guys got resigned to their squad. He did not. So not sure what that means, Mike, but were you surprised that, uh, Neville Clark did not, uh, did not a hang on in Minnesota and B didn't get picked up elsewhere. Yeah, that was a little surprising. I, I did see a couple of highlights here and there throughout uh, camp and it looked like he was doing pretty well. All reports, like you said, he was doing well. But what round was he? He was a sixth rounder? He was undrafted. Oh, he was undrafted. Yeah, Yeah. see, that's the whole thing. I mean, especially in a year like this when there's no preseason games to really make a name for yourself. Say, usually in a typical year, you have four preseason games. These guys are out there against other teams really showing what they can do. They didn't have that chance this year. I know they have scrimmages, but that's just not the same. So the teams are going to stick with the guys they drafted, especially those first through fourth round picks there's no way those guys are getting cut and then some the fifth and sixth rounders seventh rounders sometimes they will if they're outperformed by these guys that aren't drafted but if the team's already invested money in them most likely those guys are going to stick on the roster and the guys that are not drafted are going to end up getting cut and that's just what happened here yeah, I know uh, um, Navelle's Clark, uh, Navelle's, excuse me, Navelle's dad was on Twitter kind of explaining a little bit about some of the back and forth. Sounds like maybe there's some other stuff behind the scenes. Um, and so, uh, you know, who, who knows to your point what was really happening? Obviously, a lot of these decisions are interesting. Th- these are these are money decisions. These aren't always playing decisions. Um, so you never really know what this is going to, you know, lead up to. But, um, you know, ultimately, I guess we'll We'll see where that where that goes from there too, Mike. And then a couple of guys who I don't you know maybe folks aren't even tracking to this that are free agents that uh, don't uh, don't yet have a home. Uh, so Clayton Gathers uh, played in the nineteen season with the Colts. Uh, he is uh, he is without a team so far. Uh, Kamal Ishmael uh, last played with the Falcons. He is without a team, and our uh, our very own Blake Bortles. Uh, he is uh, he is also still signed and without a team. So those three guys are still out there, Mike. The Bortles, I, I read an article over the weekend or maybe later later last week that he was going to be patient and sort of wait it out and see what happens, um, which is interesting because one of the things that happened over the weekend was the Eagles, speaking of the Eagles, they signed uh, Josh McCowan, who's 614 years old, uh, and they put him on their practice squad. They're going to pay him, I think it was 12 k a week, and he will just continue to live in Texas. He won't actually be around the team. And they're going to sign him as their like emergency quarterback. If, if something happens, he knows the system. They'll keep him away. So there's any concerns with, you know, with virus or contamination or whatnot. Uh, and if something happens, he will come in. But if not, he'll just sit on the practice squad and make 12k a year. Maybe that's a, a route Bortles goes at some point. But it sounds like he was being patient with what his uh, next move might be. Yeah, Blake sounds like he's being very careful to where he wants to go. Maybe a place where he knows he can get some playing time. Because it may be his last stop wherever it is now. He, the, the reputation he built up in Jacksonville hasn't helped him. He didn't get any playing time with the Rams. So now he's looking for that shot, and he's going to be patient about it, which is probably a smart thing to do. Wait for the, the perfect opportunity. I mean, 
was he going to sign for twelve thousand dollars? What's that going to do for him? You know, <laughs> the guy has already made his millions. He got paid nicely with his first contract, so he's going to sit it out. And the opportunity may come. This is a year where things are going to open up. At some point, he may find himself on a roster. If that's what he still wants to do, I'm sure that's what he wants to do. Right? He's still a young guy. Yeah, old boy. Yeah. He can't be more than thirty something. 30, early 30s, right? Yeah, I imagine he, he still wants to play. I mean, it depends. If there's no one kind of giving him big money, you know, if he can sit at home and just make 12K a week, <laughs> um, you know, maybe he says, fine, I'll do that, right? And then, you know, at the end of the year, he, he goes back and, and, you know, tries to get back on a team and a regular contract when things are more normal. But, um, but yeah, surprised to see, you know, Gethers had a, has had a pretty solid career. So has Ishmael. Ishmael had a, uh, a tryout with the 49ers, but uh, left without a contract. So, um, you know, those are, those are still names that, you know, veteran defensive guys, but again, a lot of the stuff is, is a money driven decision. So we'll see, but that's, uh, that's where we stand. The other name, by the way, Justin McCray, he is signed with the Falcons as well, offensive lineman. So, uh, he's the, uh, he's the last name that I forgot to mention so far. So that is a, a nights in the NFL update. Again, a busy weekend, uh, from the roster perspective in the NFL. So, uh, you know, season kicks off Thursday night, Mike, it just snuck up on you. Like you said, there was no preseason. Uh, and so it snuck up on people, but Thursday night, uh, they're going to put the ball in the air. I think it's Kansas City and Houston are a play, so you'll like, actually get to see uh, Jordan Aiken specifically. Um, so uh, NFL is here, and uh, I guess keep an eye out for it too, Mike. You know what else is here, though? Um, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on tonight in your pick segment, but actual college football was played this weekend. Um, a couple of American conference teams played. Quick score updates there. SMU squeaked one out against Texas State, 31-24. Memphis looked all right. They looked a little sloppy at times, but they ended up holding on for a win, 37-24 against Arkansas State. And then uh, BYU and Navy are playing on Monday night. Uh, as we record this, Mike, the first quarter is wrapped up. BYU is up 14 nothing. So that, uh, at least some American games got kicked off this weekend. Mike, real football is uh, has begun. The American hasn't looked too great. Huh? <laughs> BYU's up 14 nothing right now? 14-0. Oh, boy. And... We talk about my group that I started. We we all started a picks group. Uh, I think every a lot of people were very confident in how the American was going to perform in this first week. And SMU kind of looked a little sloppy. Memphis didn't look as great as everybody thought they would be. And Navy's falling behind is not a good thing for Navy. <laughs> Usually, a, a running team down by two touchdowns early, they still got time to pull it out, but uh, not looking good for the American. Yeah, well, we finally got here, though. We've been, I mean, for crying out loud, we've been doing this show all summer, all fall, all winter. I don't even know when we started with the corona stuff, back in, like, March, just wondering, would we ever get to football? And it finally got here. So I guess that's that's one hurdle crossed. A couple other interesting scores. South Alabama beat Southern Miss 32-21, and then Southern Miss fired their coach, so he's gone. Uh, Army blanked Middle Tennessee 42 to nothing. Marshall 59 nothing over Eastern Kentucky. So we had a real actual football. Uh, actually, we had another football game this uh, this midweek, Mike. UAB will be traveling down to play the Hurricanes, so a local uh, sort of contest here in the in the Florida market. Uh, but uh, we finally got real football. Uh, it is uh, it is long awaited, and we never you know we never knew if we'd get here, how we'd get here, when we'd get here. But we finally got here, and then and obviously UCF will join those ranks, Mike. As I what sucks, is I keep looking at the schedule. Like I'll look at week two to see who's playing, and they keep the 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 UCF FIU game on the top of the schedule on ESPN. They just say postponed. It's really annoying because every time I log on there, I'm like, oh, you see, oh, no, they postponed. Um, so ESPN, if you want to take that down, that would be fantastic. Well, what really hurt me the other day was on Friday. Um, after work, I was I stopped up by the store to pick up a couple of drinks, and my watch gave me an alert saying, UCF North Carolina kicked off. <laughs> oh, what? And I was like, oh, man, I had programmed all the games into my phone. 
and I never changed it off my calendar. And yeah, that hurt. Oh, oh man. That all Friday could have been so pumped up, ready for that game. That would have been such a huge, I probably would have been in Orlando for that one. Oh, yeah, man. I was planning. On, I took a. So it's funny. I, I posted. On, I put it on Twitter. But back in like January, I took. A, I took a PTO day um, on Friday because I was like, "Oh, it'll be a game. I'm going down there. My first time back in Florida in like four years. I'm not missing this for the world. I'm taking off. Blah blah blah." And then as like the time was coming up, I was looking at my calendar. I'm like, "Oh crap! I'm off on Friday. I didn't. I forgot I took a PTO day. So I was like, well, I might as well just keep this PTO day and." And go do some day drinking um, to uh, to at least act like a game was coming. But yeah, that was that was cow of the week worthy uh, for yeah for me for sure when when that took <laughs> place because uh, I had I had the same emotion you had. Although maybe your watch is more cow of the week worthy because that's really kind of rubbing it in. <laughs> and I gotta confess, I didn't watch any of the games this weekend. <laughs> I made my picks, but I, I haven't watched them. How did it look on TV, yeah, bro? I tried, man. Yeah, I tried. I I hung in there for like a quarter of the Memphis game. Um, I was watching like the first, you know, seven minutes of the BYU game before you and I start here. It's weird, man. It's you, you, it's, it's really quiet. You can hear the, the pads, you know, running into each other. You can hear, uh, you know, the sidelines talking. Um, it's, it's weird. It, it does take some getting used to. And I, I, I wonder, that's why I look at these scores in week one and I say to myself, all right, I wonder how, um, and I think about this from a UCF standpoint. Now UCF and Georgia Tech will have some, st- uh, some fans in the stands. I think about 11,000, I think is the number there. Um, so maybe that helps a little bit, but you got to wonder if it's kind of unnerving if you're a player and you're looking up and you're like, there's not a single freaking person in here. You know, and if, if some of these guys like a Memphis or an SMU who we thought were decent teams, maybe it's just the, you know, the, the shell shock nature of looking around and no one's there. Um, and even Navy, but in the pregame for Navy, like I, I don't want to do Cal of the Week all in the first segment here, but uh, Kirk Herbstreit was calling the game, said that Navy had been taking all these protocols. They'd been testing every week. They'd been distancing and yada, yada, yada. And they haven't been tackling in practice. So Navy hasn't <laughs> tackled a soul until they stepped on the field against BYU, which, again, for safety purposes, I'm all for it, by the way. But uh, imagine playing football, not tackling anybody for an entire, like, six-week period. That had to be really weird. <laughs> well, that explains why they're down 14 <laughs> That explains a lot about Yes. Uh, did you get to see if there was any cursing? or you Can, can you hear the players clearly on the field? Because I know in baseball, a guy strikes out, and you hear the F word just being flung around sometimes. I couldn't hear it super clear. Um, you could hear it in the NBA bubble all the time, too, and Carmelo has this you know, saying that he does when he gets rebounds, which you could hear really clearly. I didn't hear it really super clearly, but you can hear pads popping. You can hear helmets colliding. Um, you know, you can hear yelling from the sidelines a little bit. I assume those are play calls of some sort. I don't know what, they, what they're saying, per se, so... Um, it's not intelligible to me, but it, it's definitely weird, man. It, it takes some getting used to. I will, I will admit, watching you know um, NBA specifically is probably the only sport I've been watching heavily. They are adding in crowd noise. Um, I think they're adding in crowd noise, and so I don't even really notice that I'm not watching a real game because they've done that. But when I watched the first game, I think it was the Memphis game I saw on Saturday night, and there was like no noise. I was like, oh my god, it's dead silent in there. So. Um, Maybe UCF lucks out getting some fans early on um, at uh, at Georgia Tech. I think ECU is next. They've had a lot of virus concerns, so who knows where they're going to be at that point. And then obviously we're back home uh, October third uh, in the bounce house. So we'll we'll see what that looks like. But it, it was certainly weird. But at least it's back, Mike. We've been hoping, we've been waiting, we've been wondering, we've been wishing, we've been doing all kinds of things, and uh, our time has finally come. Last week you and I had the the first uh, breakdown of our season preview. Uh, we both predicted uh, UCF to run the table again. So, uh, and uh, round two of our preview coming up right after this break, we're going to go through the depth chart. We'll tell you who's going to contribute to that nine and zero start. So, 
don't go anywhere. Actually, I guess I don't know. Finish. Well, I'm gonna start because we're gonna go to the playoffs, right? So nine on a star for UCF, and uh, we'll tell you who's gonna be contributing to that right after this. Don't go anywhere, sons of UCF. All right, you're gonna you're gonna want to hear the preseason uh, depth chart breakdown in a second. But before you do that, you're gonna want to hear about screen skins. We've been telling you about this now for about two months, and I'm so glad, I'm so proud, I'm so happy that a bunch of you have taken advantage of this great opportunity to get your cell phone uh, hooked up with a UCF screen skin. And what this thing is, plastic cover goes on the front of your phone, the screen side, the screen that this uh, the side that can crack, by the way, which is what you do not want to happen with your phone. But if there's a screen skin on there. You are all set. You are good to go. UCF is also etched into the cover, but not really etched. But you see UCF there. It's actually magical when the phone is uh, is off. You see UCF on the screen when the phone turns on. The UCF goes away, and you see your screen is clear as day. Protects your phone. Let's everybody know you're a UCF fan, and it's pretty freaking cool. There's really no reason to not get a screen skin, and you can do that pretty quickly. Google Screen Skins, go to their website. You'll see all the inventory. They have a bunch of different schools, some sororities, fraternities. They got you covered. You're going to want to get your hands on the Screen Skins. Season is right around the corner. You're going to be going to games maybe. You're going to away games. You're going to be traveling. You're going to be around you know, maybe some drunk people at a party. you want, you got to protect your phone. Screen Skins will do that for you, and it'll do it in style. Don't miss out on a Screen Skin. I don't know about the rest of you, or maybe it's just me, but I, I seem to drop my phone like once a week whether it's uh, taking it out of my pocket or just going to grab it and it slips out. I drop my phone all the time. And every time I used to drop it, I would just pray. By the time I picked it up, I'd look at it, and it wouldn't be cracked or it would still be working. Now when I drop it, I have no worries. I, uh, whatever. I drop my phone, yeah, big deal. And I pick it up, and it's perfectly fine because of the screen skin. Screen skin is protecting my phone. Get one, protect yours, and look cool doing it with the UCF logo right there on the front. If you haven't got one yet... Uh, I keep telling you this week, every week, what the hell are you doing? Go get a screen skin right now. You're missing out. Don't miss out. Google screen skins, go to the website, do some shopping, put some stuff in the cart there, look around, see what you, see what you like, get a UCF one, maybe get one for your significant other. Maybe your sorority fraternity, get one of those, you know, do what you got to do. Get your screen skins. You're going to go to the checkout and you're going to type in sons of UCF, all one word. And that's a promo code that'll get you 10% off of your basket. So, Again, Google Screen Skins. Skins is spelled S-K-I-N-Z. Use the uh, the promo code Sons of UCF, and you'll get ten percent off. You can thank us later, and uh, and your phone will thank you now. All right, preview coming up. Don't move. All right, so here we go. Uh, season preview, second installment for us, Mike. Last week again, we went over the schedule, uh, and we told you how we thought UCF was going to fare. We had them going nine and zero. Uh, ESPN actually this week posted their um, their playoff uh, chances and national championship chances. UCF is listed. Uh, we we certainly are. I think we're the fifth or sixth on the list. If I saw that correctly, I don't know if you saw that, Mike. But we uh, looks like they're giving us a puncher's chance. That's my new favorite term, by the way. Thanks, Ben Stout, of uh, of getting uh, into the playoffs. So let's uh, let's do a little depth chart breakdown. Uh, obviously, Hypel has not released the depth chart yet. Even when he does, I expect he'll have redacted all the names. So you may never know what it is anyway. But uh, Mike and I are going to tell you what it is right now. We have exclusively gone through the list, and we think we know who the starters are going to be and who the major players are going to be. Spoiler alert, it won't be a surprise to you, Mike. So let's, uh, let's start on the defense. What do you say? Let's, start, uh, let's work back to front. Uh, so let's start with the two back safeties. Um, 
I think can we all agree here back safety starters are going to be Richie Grant and Antoine Collier. Do we agree there? I think that is the most definitive position we have maybe on the whole team. Well, besides quarterback on the whole team is the safeties. Yes. Richie Grant, Antoine Collier. I'm really excited about Collier and I was kind of researching this. I guess I didn't, he, I didn't realize this. He quietly had a year that I guess maybe I didn't keep up on. Uh, he had 74 tackles, which was fifth on the team last year. Uh, he had four INTs, which led the team last year. He had five pass defenses, uh, and he had two fumble recoveries. He had a really good year, um, and I guess maybe shame on me for not recognizing it. I know we had a big hit against Houston. Uh, so, uh, Randy, you know, Shannon talked about how interchangeable he hoped to have both Richie and Antoine, so we'll see how they go. But I'm certainly excited about Antoine Collier's year. Um, who's backing those guys up? So this is where things get a little bit murky, and we're going to be really upfront and tell you that some of these guys are going to be interchangeable. So here are the names I think we may hear backing these guys up um, or sort of in that second, third group, Mike. First off is Devod Wilson. Um, I don't think we have any update on whether or not he's eligible, correct? I haven't heard it unless I've missed it. I haven't heard definitive, but I think everybody was very positive in that he will be eligible to play. So we got Devod Wilson. We have the other transfer, Jaden Francois. Again, same thing. He uh, He would need a waiver of eligibility to play. So those are two new guys. Specifically, when you heard Randy Shannon talk about him, he talked about Devod Wilson kind of getting in and learning stuff a little bit. He seemed to downplay uh, Jaden Francois just a little bit and just said he's you know still got a long way to go and he's still working on stuff. So it sounded like, at least in Randy's, if you're going to read between the Randy uh, Shannon translator, that Devod had a better chance. The other two names that Randy mentioned, and again, whether these are safeties or where they end up, Dylan Lester and Derek Gaines are two guys to uh, to think about, Mike. They both played last year a little bit. Uh, and then Jermaine McMillan. I think those three, four guys, if you add in Francois, five, are probably in the mix for the safety spots in, in some respects and that kind of the backup roles. Lester's a name we've heard before. I think Lester was your pick last year or the year before to be a breakout player, and yeah. then he had an injury. Yeah. So it is a name that we're familiar with. Um, if you listen to the Randy Shannon interview the other day, he has said that they are preparing everybody to play all over. So if you're a safety, you're going to learn how to play corner, and corner's going to know how to play safety. Everybody's going to know every position because of the year that we're in, because of who knows about death and who knows about um, the coronavirus and people testing positive. You may see Richie Grant having to play a cornerback one game or you know some people playing out of their natural positions. So death charts are one thing, but everybody's going to be prepared to play everywhere. But, yeah, uh, Collier. Collier had a great year last year. He, he – himself known now as the big hitter he's the thumper back there remember he was the guy that had the interception in 2017 to seal the peach bowl Mm -hmm. 2018 not as big of a year but then last year he really started to step it up a little bit so for sure the safety position i'm very excited about then we have the the nickel back roles probably going to be aaron robinson but i you know i wonder how much nickel he'll play this year mike will he Will he slot over and, and play an actual true corner spot, or is he going to be kind of like that rover on defense? He's another guy who had a fantastic year last year. Uh, he was sixth on the team of tackles, 49 tackles. Uh, he also had a uh, an INT 40-yarder uh, that should have been a touchdown against Stanford but was called back. Uh, he had nine pass defended. Uh, that was second on the team behind Neville Clark last year. So he has a, also had a really good year. He just seemed like he was always all over the place. He had a four-and-a-half tackles for loss. Um, I mean, the kid was a ball of energy. So I will definitely see him in, in some formation, whether that's nickelback or to your point, we'll, we'll, where will he play? But I'm really excited about A-Rob coming back. I think he's going to uh, he's gonna have another big year coming up. Yes, very solid player last year. 
And who knows if he has to slide over. For, but the, the nickel position may be the most important corner position because that you're you're guarding those slot receivers, the guys that are the shiftiest, quickest guys typically. And he's proven to be one heck of an athlete. So I like having him there. If we ha- if we have the other guys to step up out on the outside, it's a good place for him there. In there, he seems comfortable inside. All right, let's go to cornerback. So last year, uh, first game, we trotted out a starting cornerback group of Navelle Clark, who we just mentioned a little bit ago, now in the NFL, and uh, and Brandon Moore. So w- Brandon Moore, I think for the purposes of this conversation, uh, hopefully he gets a chance to come back. I don't I don't know that we want to count on that, so it, I'm going to leave him off our list, um, and hopefully he gets a chance to recuperate and gets back on the field this season. But you know, I, I think obviously the most important thing for him right now is getting healthier. So Brandon Moore obviously is a name that was started last year. So when he went down, Tay Gowan jumped in the fray. Now Tay Gowan has opted out. We also saw a lot of Zamari Maxwell, Mike. Uh, he wears number eight uh, on the defensive side. He had an up-and-down year, in my opinion. I think he, he was certainly the more picked on of the cornerbacks. Obviously, when you have uh, you have Novell out there, you had Tay Gowan. Uh, Zamari was kind of the the uh, the more picked on guy. Uh, no interceptions last year, only four passes defended, uh, and so you got to assume that he's going to step in in one corner spot. Um, and the other corner, I'm going to throw in a name like that. Randy Shannon keeps bringing up. This guy was named as a a, a freshman All American candidate um, for the American Conference, and that's Corey Thornton uh, coming in true freshman. Um, you, you you very rarely hear true freshmen's names. You've heard his name a bunch, Mike. So. Right now, I'm going to say starting corners are going to be Maxwell and Thornton. What do you think? Thornton, I gotta say, I was surprised when I saw that the other day. I haven't heard much about him until the last couple of weeks, but he's a kid from Miami. We know those guys down there know how to play football, and he seems to be another one of these guys that just can step right in. We've seen freshmen come in and play cornerback at UCF a few times. Um, uh, Joe Burnett came in and had a good freshman year. Uh, we, we talked about Jacoby Glenn having a good year. Um, there's another one, a big one that I'm missing. Uh, but it's been done. And him, along with Justin Hodges, too. Justin Hodges is a guy I'm rooting for, mainly because he's from down here, the 954. Mm-hmm. Went, he's cut from Weston, which is right around the corner from where I used to be in Sunrise. So I'm rooting for him. And Maxwell seems like he's got a hold on the starting job for now, but that's not set in stone. Like you said, last year he looked okay. Sometimes he looked all right. Sometimes he didn't look that good. I think it was the Temple game maybe mm-hmm. yep. where he got burned. But um, So I'm not positive about the corners right now. It would have been nice to have Tay Gowan back for sure. Having him with Richie Grant, Collier, and Robinson, that would have been four out of the five positions where you would not even be worried about at all. And then Brandon Moore would have been five out of five. Now with those two guys out, we're depending on the young guys to step it up. And maybe even the transfer to Devon Wilson can come in and be clear to play. You may see a lot of him out there on the corners. Yeah, the other name to think about is Jermaine McMillan. He's another uh, young guy from the Miami area. Again, um, I don't I don't know if I know what his true position is. But it's funny. I think you and I did a show earlier this year where we talked about like the positions and how we felt and yada yada. And I could have sworn that you and I both said we felt really good about the the – the defensive backfield, we thought that was going to be the strength of the team. Um, and obviously, this was pre-knowing you know, knowing, uh, the news about Tay Gowan. Obviously, still kind of understanding what's going on with Brandon Moore. But now, I don't know, Mike, is this, is this the position group that has the most question marks? And not just because you know they're not talented, just because we just haven't seen some of these guys on the field before. Well, that's all it is. It was us not knowing. So and we haven't been able to see anything in practice because we haven't seen any videos. We haven't seen 
anything. And we haven't seen them in live games. It's just like going into last year at the kicker position. We had never seen Dylan Barnes kick in a real game before. He turned out to be pretty good. These guys have trusted coaches. They know what they're doing. If they think they're ready to play, they will play the freshmen. If they don't think they're ready, then they're going to put guys in there that have some experience, like Maxwell and Gaines has gotten a little his feet wet a little bit last year. Those guys will get their first shot. But if the freshmen are ready, there's no reason to hold them back. We've seen guys come in and play four years in the defensive backfield before. Yeah, a couple of names that uh, we haven't mentioned again, and they're, they're true freshmen, so we don't know exactly what to get. Devontae Brown, uh, he's a DB, Mike, out of, uh, out of Plantation. Then there's Emmanuel, I can't pronounce this guy's name, but there's a little handy pronunciation thing. Hold on a sec, let me play it. Hold on, see if it'll work for me here. No, it's not going to work, man. Uh, Emmanuel uh, Apatakahei. Uh, I butchered that. I apologize. Uh, he was number 16. <laughs> he's a junior, so he is a uh, he's a transfer from uh, Community College. Uh, so he's a uh, looks like a big guy, six one one seventy. Um, again, haven't heard his name, so we don't know where he stands on on the depth chart or where he's at as well. But it it wouldn't be surprising if you see some of these uh, these freshman guys uh, get rotated in, just particularly as Randy looks for some depth, or if you see some guys playing out of, out of positions that we just haven't seen before. Um, you know, but uh, I guess Brandon Moore is the other wild card. We'll see kind of where where he falls at the end of this, and and hopefully he has an opportunity to come back on the field. Um, and, uh, and I guess we'll, uh, we'll go from there. Uh, so let's go, uh, let's go to the linebacker core, Mike. I think we can probably pencil into now again, UCF has a different formation here and there. So for the purposes of this conversation, we know there'll always be two, you know, two linebackers on the field because in Aaron Robinson's kind of a de facto linebacker in some respects, but, uh, we'll, we'll try to give you as much rotation as we can. Can we both agree, Mike, uh, linebackers trotting out there for the first play, Eric Mitchell and Eric Gilliard. Eric Mitchell, for sure. Eric Mitchell is going to be now the senior leader. He's the Nate Evans of the defensive team this year, uh, at least of the linebackers. Eric Mitchell has been around now for a while. We know the name. Very solid player for the last few years here at UCF. Uh, Eric Gilliard had a good freshman year. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of hype. Last year uh, wasn't as good. Uh, he, I mean, he contributed. He, he had some plays. He had some games. But I was not as impressed with him last year. You want to tell me he's the starting quarterback? I'm sorry, the starting linebacker to start this season? <laughs> if he's a starting quarterback, <laughs> then that is breaking news in the Suns UCF. The starting linebacker to start the year, I'm okay with it. Like I said, he's got experience, and I'm, I'm comfortable with him there. But I'm not writing him down for the whole year either. Mitchell, I think, will be a solid guy for the, for the entire season. The other spot, I think, is up to whoever performs the best. And Gilliard's going to get the first shot at it, which is cool with me. So Gilliard, third on the team last year in tackles, 77, five tackles for a loss. Uh, did not have a sack. He had one interception on the year. Uh, you're right. I thought, you know, he was my guy. I think I picked him last year as kind of the breakout guy. Uh, he was kind of replacing the, the Savage Pat role. Um, and, you know, I guess how, how you define how we did on the field. Did he make enough plays? Did he make flashy plays? Who, who knows? I do think he trots out there the first, uh, the first reps, though, if you will just based on, you know, what he knows. Because then the two guys who played a lot last year, Mike, who pushed him uh, and, and really helped out, uh, Jermaine Jean-Baptiste and Tatum Bethune. Those are two guys who got a lot of serious run last year. None of them had really eye pop, or neither of them rather had eye-popping stats. Bethune had, had 20 tackles and half a tackle for a loss. Baptiste had 12 tackles, two tackles for a loss. Neither one of them had eye-popping numbers. But, again, they were both freshmen last year. Uh, so those are two guys you'd expect to get better. And then, speaking of freshmen, again, you don't hear their names a lot in these press conferences. But you've heard uh, – I think you've heard Heupel and um, Randy Shannon both drop the name of Quade Mosier. 
who is a true freshman linebacker out of Arkansas. Uh, and so he's somebody that sounds like Randy essentially was saying he's got talent, but you know, they're just trying to teach him one thing to do one thing really well where the rest of the guys, Gilliard, Mitchell, Baptiste and Bethune sounds like they're giving him kind of some rotations and giving them some opportunity, Mike. So it sounds like at least those will be four, if not of uh, or five of the linebackers. And no matter what the rotation looks like that we're going to see this year. Bethune and Jean Baptiste last year were the freshmen that Hypo was talking about during camp that could come in and play. And they did get some playing time solid, but like you said, nothing eye popping, no big plays where you say, Oh my God, these guys are going to be superstars. But the second year things may slow down for them and they can have a big year. Sometimes you take a step back in the, in the second year, like we talked about with Gilliard and a couple other guys. Sometimes that second year is where things really click and you got, you just take off. So, and then you mentioned Quade Mosier. Quade Mosier this year is the freshman that everybody's talking about. Sometimes we don't know what the coach's intentions are when they when they talk about these guys. They're just trying to pump up the other guys and get under Gilliard's skin and say, hey, we got these freshmen coming in here to take your job. Or are these guys actually ready to go in and step in right away? We're going to find out. But it seems like the depth at linebacker is pretty solid. Four or five guys there for really two spots that are on the field at all time. I'm comfortable with that group. I, I think we, we can see good things out of the linebackers this year. A couple other names just to throw out there. Keenan Coopit, uh, he is a 6'2", 225, true freshman from uh, Forest, Virginia. He's a name to look out for, Mike. Uh, we have another guy, Andres Garcia, 6'2", 210, out of uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. And obviously, if you Andy know, Garcia? Uh, Andy Garcia. If you know St. Thomas Aquinas, they play pretty good football down there. Um, so he's another name to, to look out for. Um, and there's a couple other big kids on here. We have a 6'3", 210 retro freshman from Plantation, uh, Derek Burns. Um, so who, who knows? Again, this is kind of the, the unfortunate part about not getting um, a whole lot of insight from practices and whatnot. Obviously, UCF you know, has been very tight left on that. But I think the five names we feel comfortable telling you about so far that we think will contribute, Gilliard, Mitchell, Baptiste, Bethune, and then Quade Mosier. Let's go down to the D line, Mike. Again, this is an area where we've had uh, we've had some losses. Obviously, we uh, uh, Chalia and Davis are both gone. Uh, last year, we had some graduations. Brendan Hayes is gone. Uh, so this is a, a, a remade, or, or I guess not a remade, but a reconfigured defensive line group. Which last year, Mike, they went they went pretty deep. Um, so this was this was a group that that played pretty deep. Um, you know, a lot of guys were coming in and out of the uh, the rotation like a hockey line. So it's tough to pin down who is going to be the true starters. So here's the four names that I have down. Um, some of the stuff you've you've heard some whispers here and there that this is the first four, but you never really know what you got. One end you got Randy Charlton, inside and Anthony Montalvo, Kenny Tunier. On the other end, Stefan Zayas. So those are the four that I I penciled in here, Mike. Again, I have no clue if this is legit. Um, but these are kind of the, some of the things you're hearing right now. So that's my prediction on the, on the first four for the D-line. Uh, a little surprise for me. I I see Traymon Morris-Brash being mm-hmm. the guy on the end, uh, being the guy that gets the pressure on the quarterback. We saw what he can do at, in the bowl game last year with, with the interception return for a touchdown. He's going to be a guy I think will be a starter by the time the year ends. You want to say he's second in line right now? Maybe. I, I I don't have enough info to give you on that one, but I see that guy being the impact player that we're going to be looking for. Yeah, just to to orient that, so um, Tremont had 25 tackles, nine tackles for a loss. He had three sacks. He obviously had the the awesome fumble uh, recovery, but he forced and scored in the uh, Gasparilla Bowl as well. 
Uh, Stefan Zayas on the outside, he only had 18 tackles, one for a loss and one sack. Uh, so he obviously from a number standpoint uh, was a little bit behind there too, Mike Montavo seems to be a beast. He's always seems to be around the ball in there. Same thing with Kenny Tunye. I mean, that guy made a lot of plays. He had 13 and a half tackles for a loss last year. He had three and a half sacks last year as well. We're losing our, our, I guess our biggest sack production from the team. Obviously Brendan Hayes, seven and a half sacks last year. He's gone. So we're going to need someone to step up and, uh, and take that opportunity. Uh, we mentioned Randy Charlton. He obviously sat out a bunch of games uh, for some unknown reasons um, in the middle of the season there. He still put together a pretty good year, 29 tackles, five and a half tackles for a loss, only one sack, Mike. Uh, is Do you think we're primed for a Randy Charlton breakout year? I hope so, because the glimpses we saw in 2018, the kid looked really good. A, a good freshman year, and then the incident in the Peach Bowl, I'm sorry, in the uh, Fiesta Bowl with the – taunting or whatever spiking of the ball he got flagged on and then leading going into last year where he didn't play for a few games and nobody really knew why was it disciplinary reasons did he get into a little scuffle at the end of that pittsburgh game was he being penalized for that or was he just hurt and i don't think we ever got a clear answer from hypo on that one but this is the year for him to step up and really be that guy with brendan hayes gone brendan hayes was a big time player man maybe not didn't get all the the pub that uh, some of these other guys get, but go back and watch the Cincinnati game, the, the the game day game. He was all over the field on that game. He created havoc in the backfield. He was all over Ritter. He was a huge reason as to why we won that game. And like you said, he led the team in sacks last year. We need somebody to come up and be that sack master. I, I'm thinking it's going to be Morris Brash. I think he's the guy on the other end that's going to be the guy that gets the sacks, but Charlton can be that guy too. Randy Charlton has the talent to do it. Uh, and I want to see him step up to do it this year. Some other names uh, that are going to be rotating in and out. Landon Woodson, he is a 6'6", redshirt sophomore, 241 pounds. Noah Hancock, Chris Deloche. Uh, and then there's Cam Good, Mike. Cam Good was a, a transfer that came in last year uh, and, and had a lot of publicity. He was from Virginia Tech. Uh, he's 6'2", 295. Uh, I think there were some high hopes for him. I actually went and looked up his stats. I had to double-check this because I could have sworn this was incorrect. I, I double-checked. I triple-checked. Maybe not everything is, is registering. Cam Good's stats last year. Are you ready for this? Yep. Three solo tackles. Four assisted tackles. Seven total tackles. That's it. That is, <laughs> that's not in this point. Because yeah, I remember him being a bigger factor. Maybe it. Am I don't know, I man. I don't know. The, with, I think did he have a big spring game last year that I'm mixing in there or something? He had a. I remember he had a like back to back like kick ass plays. I think it was against Tulane where he came in and got some you know, two big stops. But he was out of the rotation for a, for a while there, if you remember correctly. I think I, don't, I think there were some games he didn't even play. Um, I mean, maybe these are incorrect. I had to go back and double and triple check, and they've got him down for seven tackles again. Maybe who knows, right? Maybe he, you know. He shed some blocks and he took on some other blockers. I mean, it's hard to tell like, or gauge a D lineman just on the number of tackles they have. But uh, he, he had some some small numbers last year, which is surprising for such a big guy. Um, so you've got him in the mix too. And there's a true freshman that's making some names and make some noise. I don't know if I'm going to say his name right. Josh Selassar, I believe is his name. Uh, he's also been a guy whose name you've heard a few different times kind of in and around. Um, and, and he's a he's a guy who will play the line as well too, Mike. So. You know, we've lost some depth, obviously, losing two guys and, and, and Brendan Hayes from uh, from graduation. Uh, what do you think about sort of the, 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 the second and third wave of the D-line this year? Unproven guys, that's for sure. You're telling me Cam Good? Cam Good, I thought, was a guy that did more, but you told me he only had seven tackles last year. And then we're talking about a freshman with, with Selescar. 
And guys that haven't seen the field a lot, that's where we're getting hurt now with, with the the opt-outs. This is where Kalia Davis could have really helped. Yes. But um, how much confidence do we have in Montalvo and Tunier? Tunier had a really good year last year. Montalvo came out of nowhere. He was a walk-on, right? He just got put on scholarship during the season last year. Yes. That right? Yep, that's correct. So he, he stepped up and is he, well, he's a junior now. Uh, junior? Montalvo? Uh, he yeah. is a where is he at? Hold on a second. He is a redshirt junior. Right. So, I mean, those two guys are, are good, but you know, we're we're one injury away from being down to guys that we haven't really seen much of. So it's a little unnerving, the defensive line on the interior for sure. But um, hey, the starters got to do what they got to do. Those are the guys that are going to be in there, and. We do need to be able to rotate, though, because the way our offense works is so fast. These guys get tired. They're out on the field a lot. Time of possession, we usually lose the time of possession battle, and that could get that could hurt us. And then you see teams end up putting up big rushing yards on us because our guys are tired. So the backups got to be able to come in and do their thing, too. Yeah, a couple of other names. Again, uh, we don't know where these guys are at. Tyreek Black, 6'5", 290. He's a redshirt sophomore. Um, I, I feel like I've heard his name a time or two. Maybe it's just he's a recent recruit. Um, so he's a name to keep an eye on. Dallas Corbett, six five two fifty five. He's a uh, he's a redshirt freshman as well. Keenan Hester, six four two seventy five, also a redshirt freshman. I think I've heard those guys' names a few different times. And then Curvin Chout, he is actually a true freshman, six three two fifty one out of Deerfield Beach. Uh, so he may be another name. But uh, that was that was a strength last year, Mike. I think that was a, that was a position group that we kind of looked around and said, hey, are these guys? You know, we, we lost a lot. Who do we have? And and uh, Shane Burnham and that and those you know those guys on the defensive side did a nice job rotating those guys in. Uh, but you know, a couple opt outs maybe hurts us. But we'll see if we have an opportunity for some young guys to to step in and really make a make a name. And you know, we're gonna need a, a good jump, I think. From Char- if, if Charlton and Brash can become kind of bookends on that line, getting after the quarterback, you know, just one of those deals where they one two three meet you at the quarterback kind of thing. Um, I mean, that would be huge for UCF because we we certainly weren't a team that put a ton of pressure on the quarterback. Um, without sort of blitz packages. And if those two guys can get pressure uh, up front without having to send extra guys, particularly with how young our DBs may be, that would be huge this year for the defense. All right. And then we always talk about it, it goes hand in hand. So if the defensive backs are doing their job and they're they're covering for that extra second or two, that gives these guys that time they need to get to the quarterback and, and vice versa. If these guys can get to the quarterback, then those young corners on the outside don't have to cover for as long. It, it all goes hand in hand with each other. And it's going to be a work in progress, man. Some of these guys, they're going to have to learn on the job. And that, that's part of college football every year. Some, we have freshmen and, and unknown guys come in that you don't know about, and they become superstars. So that's part of the fun of it. Last year, we had no idea about Kenny Tunye coming in. The guy looked great last year. And I'm sure one of these guys this year that we're talking about, we don't have much. It could be like Chris Deloach. We haven't seen much out of him. The guy can come out and be a superstar. Yeah. Right, let's uh, let's look to the offensive side of the ball. Let's stay with the uh, the big uglies, Mike. Let's go uh, let's go up front. So the offensive line, a unit that was um, last year, something that we had all touted as what we thought was going to be a huge strength for the program. Um, and I think it's fair to say, in the games where we did not fare well, um, you can certainly look at breakdowns in the O line as one of the root causes. Uh, of that so uh, a unit that's that's kind of much maligned from last season a couple departures jake brown and jordan johnson are gone uh, and so the the line has to remake itself a little bit Uh, and so here's where i'm going with my top five mike and again these are rumors you're hearing things you're hearing whether or not these are true or not Uh, but the this is where i'm going with my top five 
I'm going Marcus Tatum. He's a uh, uh, he's a transfer from Tennessee. I'm putting him at right tackle. Cole Schneider, right guard. Matt Lee, who's going to step in this year. He's going to be a redshirt freshman uh, at the center position. Uh, Sam Jackson, not that guy, but the other one uh, at offensive guard. And then the left tackle, Edward Collins. That's where I'm going on my on my first five. Again, I have no inside info. These are just rumors and, and you're hearing and trying to piece together interviews, what you're not hearing. There is a name missing that you're probably all asking yourself, where's this kid's name? I don't hear this kid's name. Um, I don't know any more than you do, but that's where I'm going with my first five, Mike. Any uh, any thoughts or disagreements? Well, that's the first thing that popped in my head, Parker Boudreaux. Yeah. I mean, that's the probably the guy most people know on the offensive line, the, the casual fan, because they've seen the pictures of this guy looking like Brock Lesnar. They've seen the videos of him pushing trucks up and down the streets. This is the guy that everybody knows, and we've known him for a few years now, transfer from Notre Dame. He, he was a big name coming in. And you're telling me he's not going to be starting on the offensive line? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that, that came as a little bit of a surprise to me. I think they got to find a spot in there somewhere for him. But also, the offensive line, just like Randy Shannon with the defensive backs, yep. and these guys all have to be able to play different positions too yes. for the same reasons. So is Boudreaux going to play tackle? Is he going to play guard? I don't know. He seems like a natural guard. I mean, yeah, it's hard to say that. He's he's six four, three hundred pounds. Um, you know, tackles are usually in that you know that that six you know six 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 seven range. So I don't know, maybe he's a little too small for the, for the you know for the tackle spot. I don't really know. But here's here's the thing. It's like, these are these are just rumors, conjecture, things you're hearing, seeing, reading, whispers, all that stuff. Blah blah blah. You said this earlier. All this could be a really good smokescreen. Um, I do know. I feel like I haven't heard uh, Boudreaux's name mentioned a ton when they've talked about the offense and they talked about the line, a hypo at a press conference. I don't think he mentioned um, Parker's name at all during the press conference. Maybe that's trying to motivate him, right? Get under his skin a little bit, let him know, Hey, you, you know, nothing's earned here. You got to work for it. You know, maybe there's, you know, obviously there's a lot of rumors about what Parker's interests are outside of football. Maybe there's, this is their way of saying like, you got to get serious about this and you've got to commit to football. Who knows, Mike? I mean, this, this could all be a big smoke screen. Here's the thing that I was most uncomfortable writing down when I, when I wrote this down or when I read this or when I saw, the, saw this or heard this. Edward Collins seems like a really good kid. 6'6", 310. He had a rough year last year. He, he came in at spot duty a few times. That Tulsa game, he just looked like he had no idea what was happening at times. I think he had like two really bad false starts. Um, you know, maybe a year under his belt, more seasoning and gets him a little bit better. Um, but I'm, I was surprised that you're still hearing some, a lot of positivity out of Edward Collins. Not that I thought that he should just, you know, go away because he had a couple of bad games, but, uh, um, you know, I certainly thought that, you know, he would probably fall in that second group. Um, and maybe that'll ultimately be where it's at. Marcus Tatum being a, a, a transfer. We don't know much about him. Six, six, three fifteen. uh, again, played at Tennessee. Um, so who knows, Mike, I, I guess. So you'd, you'd swap in Parker, you think, and, and move maybe, Sam Jackson to left tackle and, and put Collins on the bench? Yeah, that would be my first guess, yes. Move Jackson over and put Boudreaux in there. Um, the, the number one thing is cohesiveness between these guys. So they, you always you often hear it's not the five best, but it's the best five. How do these guys work together? Um, that the coaches, you're going to have to trust and, and see what they think. But um, we, the one thing we can't have is false starts. I mean, that just drives you nuts, especially in our offense where we're moving so quick and you got that defense on their heels and all of a sudden you have a false start and you give them that chance to reset and then you're moving back five yards. It's a killer. It's an absolute killer. And those are the things that we can't happen. So the least penalized guys are the guys that 
should be out there on, on every play. Your other, y'all, I guess the other encouraging thing, you you know, Hypo went out of his way to really praise Matt Lee um, coming in to step in at the center position. Uh, obviously, Matt Lee, uh, you know, was, uh, you know, I guess the backup in all intents and purposes last year to Jordan Johnson, who played pretty much every freaking snap. So, um, you know, the, the anchor of the line sounds like Hypo and that staff feel really good about Matt Lee. So that's that's encouraging. A couple of the names that you may hear this year, again, just kind of going through uh, the depth chart a little bit. Um, some guys you may hear, Loke, uh He's the 6'4", 320-pounder from Hawaii. There's no way I said his name right, by the way. Uh, you may also hear from Josh McMullen, where's number 60, 6'5", 290. He's another name that you may hear out there as well. Um, and Patrick Barnett, I feel like this kid, 6'6", 305, freshman out of Key West. Um, that's a that's a big size. That's a, that's a big kid, Mike. That's a big frame. I wonder if he'll get an opportunity this year. Uh, and then uh, people are probably going to wonder about Paul Rubel. Uh, he is the 6'10", 300-pounder from, from Germany. Sounds like it, you know, the coaching staff probably feels he's still got a, a, a ways away. He's probably a bit of a work in process. I don't know how much you'll see of him on the field this year, Mike. So, um, but I mean, this is a group that if we're going to win, I mean, it's this is no secret, by the way. This isn't like revolutionary football analysis. The line's going to carry us as far as we go. Um, and so hopefully this is a group that we get, you know, uh, production out of this year and, and can keep everybody upright and, uh, and, and create some gaps for our, uh, for our speed guys. That's right. Yeah. Coming into last year, we had all the hype about the offensive line and how this was the best offensive line we've had ever at UCF, and it turned out to not be the case. Hopefully now, I mean, we, we got a lot of experience now on the line. We talk about having a young center, but the other guys have had a lot of experience. Um, they don't have to block for long. You know, we get the ball out pretty quick. Dylan Gabriel is quick with the decisions, and our running backs, you know, they're through the hole in a second. So the key is cohesiveness. And keeping it clean, no flags, no offensive holdings, no delay of games, no false starts. You can do that. Then the offensive line has done its job. An extension of that line is the tight end spot, Mike. This is a position last year that we all ranted and raved about um, and, and not in the most positive ways at times because we want to see more production out of the tight end. And uh, that just wasn't something we saw, at least in this this last iteration of Heupel's offense, the, the year before that. Uh, Ali had a little bit more productivity from that role, but it sounds like nothing has changed. Uh, Jake Hescock, uh, who is a redshirt senior, sounds like he has continued to lock up that starting spot. Makes a ton of sense. He obviously knows Heibel system really well. He's a big guy, six seven two uh, two fifty two, so you know he fits in with what uh, what Heibel wants to do uh, on the blocking scheme. But Heibel is not the only guy that's uh, sort of in that room these days. Obviously, we have our new our co offensive coordinator, Alex Golesh who uh, formerly a tight ends coach at uh, Iowa State a few times. So he has uh, some tight end experience. And we brought in some young guys, some new guys. Maybe not young. Maybe it's not the right way to say that. Uh, Zach Marsh-Wojan. He's a 6'5", 235 uh, uh, guy, junior from uh, Community College out in California. And uh, another couple of uh, young guys, I think, Jordan Davis, uh, Gabe Davis's younger brother. I think he's going to be re, uh, rehabbing an injury. I'm not sure if he'll get a chance to play. And then we have Tony Forrest Jr. He's a 6'4", 235 freshman out of the Jacksonville area, Mike. So we've been asking for more productivity out of the tight ends. Obviously, I think it sounds like Hypo was pretty effusive in Hescock and what he does. Said Zach Marsh-Wosian was still learning some stuff. Um, where do you see, I guess, the tight end spot? And, and what do you think we get from a productivity standpoint? Hescock looked okay last year. I, I liked what I saw out of him in glimpses. And... There was a quote earlier this offseason from Heupel saying that he's 
really picked up the offense a lot better and we're able to do more things with him. Now, is that Hypo just being Hypo and just doing coach speak and throwing it out there, or is it is he expanding the role of the tight end this year? Now with Golesh in there. Golesh is known to be what well, a tight end's guru, kind of, you know. Where he was where Arizona State. Iowa State. I, I believe they threw to the tight ends a lot. Yep. And I think maybe even the leading receiver was the tight end. So is he incorporating a lot more of that stuff into the offense this year? We're going to see. The other guys, um, uh, I'm sorry, Marsh Wojan. Zach Marsh Wojan, yeah. I mean, transfer. Sometimes these transfers come in and they're able to step up right away, and sometimes they need time to adjust to a new system. So that we're going to find out. But Hescock seems to know what he's doing out there. Seems Last year, uh, he's a big target, which I like. And the whole middle of the field should be open for him. So that that's the guy that we need out there as a security blanket, like Lubiali was on that on a third and long over the middle. The outside guys are covered, and, and they're leaving him open. That's the guy we need. And the red zone, too. We don't really see the tight ends used too much in the red zone, but maybe that's something we can do with, with his size. It'd be ideal for him. Hescock had nine catches for 87 yards and two touchdowns last year. So when you talk about using him more, hopefully that means more than nine catches. Yeah, to your point, listen, we have a ton of skill guys that we're going to get to later. I don't know how we're going to play all these guys that I have listed under our skill position. So you, you say to yourself, hey, you know, maybe we don't need a, a, an all-world tight end because we have all-world everything else. But at the very least, you need the tight end to be a threat that the defense has to honor. Um, and I think that's the thing that you want to see is that the defense knows we've got it. We're going to have to keep an eye on, you know, on whatever number, number 88, because he may leak out of, the, out, of the, out of the wing there and get a, get an easy one. Or we had to keep an eye on this, this Marshall Wojan guy, because he, he can burn us down the middle. Like you at least want defenses to, to know and honor the fact that you have a tight end on the field that you're not afraid to throw the ball to. I felt like most of the people who scouted UCF were just like, they're not throwing the tight end. So let's not worry about it. Um, and I think hopefully maybe that's at least something that, from an offensive, you know, game plan standpoint, from a wrinkle standpoint, that uh, that Golesh can bring in and uh, and and have that in there. Sounds like it's Hescock's job, which again, I don't think he's done anything to lose it by any stretch. But we'll see if some of these young guys are, and uh, Zach Marshall-Wojan coming in, if they can uh, they can add some some flavor to what we do there on the uh, on the tight end spot. Speaking of speed, guys, Mike, tight end is fine. We're good there. Wide receiver is another spot where there's just so many names. I, I tried to do three col. I ran out of columns. I ran out of names. I just started putting names everywhere here. Uh, so we have so many speed guys on the outside. Let's talk Let's talk receivers for a second. We know who we lost. Our, you know, our all-world receiver last year, Gabe Davis, is gone. But we have pretty much the entire uh, you know, uh, starting unit and most of the second and third unit coming back this year as well. So assuming UCF trots out a three-receiver set, which is typically what, uh, what Hypo likes to do, Here's what I got for the first three guys trotting out. I got Trey Nixon. I got Marlon Williams. And I got Jalen Robinson. Those are the first three I have trotting out. Mike, again, this is probably a crapshoot, probably a roll the dice situation. Um, what are your thoughts on at least the first three, you know, the hype brings out for the first play of the game? I love those three. <laughs> Trey Nixon we've seen now for a couple of years. Big explosive receiver down to feel fast, making long catches many times, whether it was with Mackenzie Milton or with Gabriel last year, how many times did we see him just burn guys down the sideline? I know people give him crap for only only running that route, just basically going straight, go deep, and, and just wait for the ball. But the guy makes the plays most of the time. So I, I love mixing there on the outside. Marlon Williams, this kid I've really seen grow now in the last couple of years. The first couple of seasons, first year, you know, he looked a little – 
heavy for me. A little, little, little on the slower side. Last year, we saw him break out a little bit and really be the guy that can go up and get any pass and just out-muscle you for a pass. We saw him do it a few times. The Stanford game, that the touchdown that he came down with. Um, another game late in the season. In the bowl game, he did it again. The guy is just a beast. And Jalen Robinson is maybe one of the quicker guys we have on the roster. Coming over from uh, what is it? Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, I was almost about to say Alabama. Oklahoma. The, the guy is quick, man. And to have him there on the inside in the slot, I feel bad for defenses. I don't know how they're going to cover these three guys. And we haven't even got to the running backs. But, yeah, these, I mean, these running – these wide receivers – and and the backups. Yeah, you go well, that's, the, list that's of the problem. Yeah, that's the problem is I don't even know if these are the first three to try it out there, right? You have Jacob Harris, who again love the guy to death. He obviously had some challenges last year, um, consistently catching the ball. Um, seemed like a guy from what we see, like stride for stride. People tell tell us he's the fastest person on the team, which is crazy to think about. Uh, but he's he's a huge, humongous human being, right? Uh, he had 19 catches last year, only one touchdown pass. So it seems like the his route last year was the bomb or nothing else. Uh, but six five two eleven, a, a big dude. Uh, then we've got we got some of the young guys who we saw in, in in you know spurts last year. We have Amari Johnson, Ryan O'Keefe, and Kavan Ahmad. We saw those guys in spurts last year. Amari Johnson, I think, caught a touchdown pass in the first game of the year against FAMU. I think he caught it from Quadri Jones. And I don't know if I ever buy into these things, Mike. But here's here's something that I always keep an eye on. This may be a, a really dumb way to look at it, and I apologize in advance if you're going to laugh me off the phone here. But typically UCF obviously wants to, you know, take care of the, the guys who uh, are, you know, they're, they're good players, they're better players. And every offseason, obviously, when you get to the program, you know, you get there as a freshman, you get kind of the, the short end of the stick when it comes to jersey numbers. In this offseason, Ryan O'Keefe got to switch from, I think it was number like 83 to number four, which is a, usually a coveted number, single you know, jersey digit number. We've seen this a, a bunch happen over time, right? It happened from uh, Traquan at 80. He went to four. Uh, you know, we've seen this before. Otis had 26. He went to two. And so it kind of caught my eye that we let Ryan O'Keefe go from 83 to four. Makes you wonder if the, that the you know, the team has some plans for Ryan in advance. I think he did get a couple of uh, snaps last year as well. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it means nothing, but Ryan O'Keefe switches jersey to a small number, which you don't hear very much. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention two new guys. One guy by the name of uh, Josias Stretch Creedle, who wears number 13, by the way. Um, we see some photos of this guy, 6'4", 195, just a raw um, athlete from from uh, the high school ranks in Georgia. And we have Deontay Marks, who is a, um, a transfer coming in from Florida. Uh, we don't yet know, again, about his eligibility, but uh, Deontay Marks is another guy who potentially has an opportunity. And that's just, again, the three deep. I could go even... Uh, I guess even further than this, Mike. Um, so those are six names alone right there that could be also playing wide receiver. Incredible. Incredible list of talent we have there. Uh, speed. You said it. Jacob Harris, we have been told by more than one guy, I believe, that he is the fastest guy on the team. And I, they've had races to prove it. And people don't want to believe it. Maybe it's just his long strides don't look as fast, but the guy is fast. And these other guys, Stretch Cradle, We've heard a lot about in an off season where we haven't heard about too much. We've heard a lot about Stretch Cradle. I mean, maybe it's just his size. Maybe it's just a cool name because that is a cool name for a wide receiver. Stretch. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so maybe that's part of it. But uh, uh, these wide receivers, man, uh, just speed all over the place. Ryan O'Keefe was the kid that set records in high school track, or is that Kavanaugh? No, that's that's sure. O'Keefe. Yep. 
<laughs> uh, you want to read into switching numbers? Uh, it's a good conspiracy theory. I, I, I can go with you on that one. I don't know if it is really any validity to it. it maybe just a kid likes a number. It became open. And you think UCF would say, no, you can't have that number because we, we don't plan on playing you much. But if you, if you suck, do you think they'd give you that number, a, a coveted number? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't like, know how it works. Jalen <laughs> like, Robinson walked in and got number one um, pretty quickly. Marlon Williams, I think he wore number 17 his first year. He got down to number six. Um, I don't know. Maybe I, there's, I'm reading way too much into this stuff. I think Randy Charlton. Wasn't Randy Charlton like number 90-something his first year, and he's done number five? If you look at just the numbers one through you know the the smaller jersey numbers, it seems like those are the guys who typically get a lot of run. Again, I could be reading into that. But, um, but yeah, either way, it just the, the load of talent. I think the only questions we have here – are Gabe Davis was that guy whenever Dylan kind of kind of got in a bind and he you know just needed to make one read and, and throw Gabe was that guy for him he was like a security blanket he just knew that he would come up and catch the ball is that is, who's that guy going to be this year Mr. Trey Nixon seems like he's a speedster down the end of the field um you know Jalen Robinson at his at his height his size uh, he's five nine, one sixty three, Mike. I think you are taller and outweigh him. <laughs> um, so I think that's a that's a guy. You know, what do you, he seems like a speed guy. So is that is that Marlon Williams? Is is that Stretch Cradle? Is he is he that guy? Is Jacob Harris going to run more than a go route? Um, you know, who's that guy that we're going to be able to you know to to know that we can count on a, a ten yard pass when we need seven for a first down? I think that's going to be the really interesting thing from from these guys. They're all speedsters. They're all athletes. But uh, route running and, you know, who can get open when, you know, we need to make one big play. As much as I love Gabe Davis, and imagine him coming back. He had another year of eligibility. Yeah. But as much as I love him and how great he was, and it was good for Dylan as a freshman to have that security blanket. But it may be even better for him to not have the guy that he looks to right away every time and the defense knows they're go- that they're going to him right away. Maybe just having this balance – of all these guys, it may actually help Dylan Gabriel just, you know, go to the regular pro- progression of the play and just go to the open receiver. Man, I remember I hit Schneider with that question when we had him on. You know, he played with all those great receivers. Um, and I asked him, you know, who's your favorite receiver? And his re- answer was whoever's open. Mm-hmm. And that's who's going to be – that's what Dylan Gabriel's uh, whole motto should be this year. And he has so many guys to choose from. He doesn't have to lock in on one guy. He doesn't have to always depend on Gabe Davis to be there. He has all these guys, and just whoever's open, that's who he's throwing the ball to. And, oh, by the way, we didn't also mention Otis Anderson, who spent a ton of time at receiver uh, last year as well. So, needless to say, I I think there's going to be a ton of opportunity for these guys to be in the field. It's going to be really exciting to see what combinations that Hypo can come up with, you know, and and who kind of emerges as as the guys – um, but just this, this is list of, of names coming back and some of the potentials that we have in the young guys has got to make you excited about the, uh, the wide receiving core, uh, which was probably maybe the most exciting group, except for this one, Mike, because this next uh, position group <laughs> is another one that I don't know how the hell there's enough football to go around for all these guys. And I'm talking about the running back position. So again, typically UCF em- uh, employs a one back set. So there's no true fullback. I think that's been gone obviously since uh, the O'Leary days went out the window. Um, so Otis Anderson is the is the Swiss Army knife. He's the wild card because he obviously could line up a receiver. He could start at the running back position. So Otis is this guy that he's just a starter. I don't know what position it's going to be, but he's going to be on the field in some form or fashion when the when the game kicks off, right? So we know Otis is going to be there. He'll he'll probably flex around a little bit. So if you think about okay, if Otis is receiving, you know who who's going to be in the backfield? 
Um, I, Mike, I got to think it's Greg McRae's job to lose. I know we had a rough year last year with the injuries and wasn't on the field as much as he wanted to be, but we saw what he could put up, you know, two years prior. Uh, we know what kind of back he is. He looks like he's come back a little bit bigger, um, added some muscle to his frame. He was actually mic'd up for one of the, the scrimmages. He talked about how he'd been squatting all offseason, trying to get some big quads in there. Um, so I got to think Greg McRae is, uh, is RB1, uh, again, if Otis Anderson is kind of the utility guy. You would think, Uh-oh. but I wouldn't I think. Mean, <laughs> but I mean, there's so many guys to choose from. I mean, McCray was everybody's darling after that 18 season. And what a season he is the tactician of the running back groups. He's the patient guy, the guy that it, it looks so cool when you see the, the replays of how he just waits for the block and the holes to open up and then he goes and he did it so many times in 18, but there's so many guys to use back here. I, I don't know if we can just call him, and just because he starts the first play of the game at running back doesn't mean he's the main running back because we just have too many guys. Okay. The list just goes on and on. Well, and the, the carries are going to get split. Well, what is that list? So let's go over these guys. So obviously you have, uh, you have Greg McRae. Uh, he had 529 yards rushing last year. Again, he was, he was down with injuries for, uh, for a handful of games. I think he missed like four or five games with a knee problem. Uh, behind him, you have Bentavious Thompson. Uh, he had uh, 604 yards on the ground. Uh, he's kind of a bigger, stronger, bruising back. Uh, he actually led the team in rushing touchdowns with eight, um, believe it or not. Uh, and then, Mike, out of nowhere, again, you don't hear a lot about freshmen in practices or young guys, I guess. But uh, but Heupel has made uh, mention a, a couple times, as as did um, you know both Golesh and Anthony Tucker when they had a chance to talk. Um, you're hearing the name Demarius Good thrown around a ton and people are you know the, the talk from coaches is that he's come back a, a completely different player uh he's he's a guy that they don't even you know he just grown leaps and bounds from you know from last year to this year uh he did not play a snap i believe last year so i think he's a red shirt freshman by uh, by technicality here let me check that up really quickly while we're talking uh yeah he's listed as a red shirt freshman so uh he's he, we still have four years of demarius good in our life uh, and then we went out and got this guy johnny richardson True freshman, 5'7", 175. And, uh, and, Mike, there are some people just raving about this kid's quickness, this kid's size. Uh, again, in the mic'd up second segment, I'm not sure if you saw it, that, uh, that Greg McRae had, but him and Otis were having a conversation. They were talking about, man, I can't even see Johnny. All I know is that I see people missing him. I don't even know where he's at. And all of a sudden I turn around and he's outside of a pile because guys are just diving at him and they can't get this guy. He's another guy that's been mentioned a ton. So if you're scoring at home, the running backs could include Otis Anderson, Greg McRae, Ventavious Thompson, Demarius Good, Johnny Richardson. Oh, and oh, by the way, we also have a transfer that came in. A uh, uh, kid from Orlando originally played uh, quarterback Virginia, R.J. Harvey. He's come in as well. He, you know, His eligibility thing will, will, will be another issue. And Trillian Coase is still there um, behind all those guys. I'm like, I don't know how the heck we're going <laughs> to find enough footballs for all these dudes. Yeah, an abundance of Richards. Uh, it's going to be fun. And maybe we'll see a lot more two-back sets. Remember we just always – yes. Uh, just call for We want to see yeah. Otis. Yeah, we yeah. want to see them both. And anytime we did it, it worked out beautifully. And defenses can't have answers for all these guys. It's impossible. And Otis, this is his senior year now. The guy's been great for the first three years. We got to see him on the field all the time. The guys, whether it's in the backfield or lined up in the slot or wherever, the guy's got to be out there for eighty percent of the snaps. I think he, he's the. The mismatch nightmare for defenses. Get him lined up on a linebacker somewhere and forget it. There's no way you can you can keep up with this guy. And Johnny Richardson, I I don't really usually watch um, recruiting highlight tapes too much, 
But I remember watching this kid's. And this guy, man, I, I thought he was going to be something special when he got here. And he's already getting a lot of rave reviews. He may be the future here at the running back position. Oh, by the way, Bentavious Thompson looked phenomenal last year. The Mary is good, like you said. It's crazy. And the cool thing is, the cool thing with the way our team is built, and we have so many guys, when we start blowing guys out, blowing teams out, and in the second half, it's still fun to watch because the backups come in. These are the backups. Yeah. These are the guys that are still running for – 60-yard touchdowns, the wide receivers and the running backs, it doesn't get boring. Usually you're up by five touchdowns and you just hand the ball off three times and whatever. When we hand the ball off, these guys can all score at any point. So it's still a lot of fun. And I think we're going to see a lot of high-scoring games this year, maybe not even because we're, we're trying to blow people out. Just like you said, Johnny Richardson is just going to emerge from a, a, a group of people so, and, and take off for 50 yards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to watch these guys. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's just going to be interesting because this again, it's a free year, so these guys are all coming back next year without an eligibility year um, taken away from them. A couple of things to keep in mind: Daryl Mack ran the ball forty-one times last year, so that's forty-one carries potentially. I know we used to use that, you know, the Mack truck package or whatever the heck they called it. He ran the ball forty-one times. Uh, Brandon Wimbush had eleven carries as well, so those are carries that maybe get split back up. Dylan ran the ball seventy-one times. Uh, you know, I don't know if you'll see that number again. AK, who obviously is now with Philadelphia, eighty-seven rushes last year, so. There are some carries to be split up. Um, last year, the, the, the attempts went uh, like this. Otis had 113, McCray 98, Killens and Thompson both had 87, and then it went down to the quarterbacks after that. So there are some carries to be split there. So we will see what Heupel does. Um, but again, keep an eye on Damaris Good. I mean, he's a, he's a guy whose name has come up multiple, multiple times. Um, you know, obviously he doesn't – I don't think he has the flash and the speed of Johnny Richardson, but uh, he could be a guy whose name uh, you, uh, you hear and, and spot duty throughout the year. So – Let's find well, out. Also, also, um, I know he's a late addition, but this R.J. Harvey, yeah, he's got experience at quarterback. You just mentioned all the runs we had with with Daryl Mack and Wimbush. Harvey may be this guy that comes in for the wild night package or whatever, and is a threat to throw the ball, but also can run. He looks like a powerful runner too. He's the guy that uh, McCray was talking about quads, with, the, yeah. with the quads. So he may be the guy that come in the short yardage package and and be able to get you a few yards on the ground or even be a threat to, to swing it out there to Otis or somebody else. The offense is going to be ridiculous. It's going to be great. The only thing with Harvey, he's only 5'8", so he's 5'8", 190, so I don't know if that – Mac obviously was like, what, 6'5", so maybe that, that changed. But you're right, there's just so many options that they have on uh, on the backfield. I, I I literally don't envy hype because just all, between the receivers and the running backs we mentioned, you know, how do you get all these guys' touches and, and really kind of maximize their skill sets uh, particularly when, you know, we start blowing guys out um, and we're up, you know, by 35 at halftime and, you know, you've only thrown one pass to Trey Nixon. It was a touchdown. One to Jalen Robinson. It was a touchdown. Two to Marlon. One was a touchdown. I mean, at this point, you know, it's it's uh, it, it could just get, you know, get ridiculous. But uh, all this obviously will, will come from the very last position, Mike, that we have not talked about is the quarterback spot. Uh, the least suspenseful, I think, uh, situation we have here on the offense. Uh, Dylan Gabriel entrenched as the starter. Obviously, that's uh, that is certainly well deserved. Uh, last year, twenty nine touchdown passes, only seven interceptions, threw for thirty six hundred yards, almost sixty percent completion percentage. He's obviously entrenched as the starter, rightfully so. Um, we talked about this earlier off the top. No Daryl Mack. That means Quadri Jones, um, from what we understand, will slide into the uh, the backup quarterback spot. 
which is good for Quadri. He is still yet to throw an incomplete pass in his UCF career. Um, last year, he was three for three. He was one for one the year prior, so he's four for four with two touchdowns. All in all, uh, doing pretty pretty good from that perspective. But listen, the 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 you know, the coaches and the and the, and the team, uh, from what the little we hear and some of the snippets you hear, they rave about what Quadri's done, and you know it feels good for that kid. Right, he, he was a walk on, uh, actually left UCF. I think he actually signed someplace else. I actually think he went to campus someplace else. Uh, turned around, drove back to Orlando. Was like, nah, I'm staying here. And uh, and look, it paid off. Now he's the uh, the backup quarterback, but third string. Like, I don't know where we go here. Uh, so here are the options for the third string spot. You have one Parker Navarro, who uh, as a true freshman out of Arizona. And then you have Mackenzie Milton, who we still don't quite yet know where he's at. Heupel did say that he wouldn't be ready for week one. Um, so that's the quarterback spot. Mike, what do, what do we do here? So Gabriel Jones <laughs> and then what? We're talking about having the best player we've ever had <laughs> in our school's history as our third-string quarterback. Is that what we're saying right now? Yes. Um, but, yeah, that's the, that is the case. <laughs> that is the case. Uh, Dylan Gabriel with a phenomenal freshman year. He didn't even start the first game of the year, but came in early in the, in the first half and looked sharp right away and won the starting quarterback job by week two. And then he was the man for the whole year. Looked really good, man. The kid looks like he's got – he's the total package. He's got it all. He can throw. Maybe well, – uh, I guess we were all debating last year if we were, a typo was holding him back from running. But he did start to show later in the year that he was – he we could take off a little bit and run with it. I don't know if we want him to do that. I don't think we need him to do that. But it, the, the ability is there. Um, the, uh, Quadri Jones – like you said, has not thrown in a complete pass. <laughs> when do you even see that out of a backup quarterback? He's got a QB rating in like the 500. Um, and he's capable of playing. I, I think the team has come out and said that they're comfortable. If anything were to happen to Dylan Gabriel, everybody's comfortable with Quadri Jones taking over and not missing a beat. And with all the weapons he has and the talent that he has, I, I'd still feel good about our, about our chances on any week. Yeah. Um, and then you got Mackenzie Milton, who, like I said, is the goat of UCF football. If he can get healthy enough to play, he's going to see time. <laughs> whether he starts or whether he comes in and mop his duty later in the year, it's not like he's not going to have weapons to throw to. He's going to come in and be throwing the ball to Deontay Marks and, and handing it off to Bentavious Thompson and these guys. And the offense is still going to be flowing, man. Um, but the, the season's going to go as Dylan Gabriel goes, I guess. You know, last year he threw seven interceptions all in the games we lost. If he can clean those up, and a lot of that, too, was getting pressure on him. That Pittsburgh game, he was getting knocked around early, and he was just throwing the ball around. Same thing in the Cincinnati game. If the the offensive line gives him the extra second or two, he's just going to pick people apart. And if we see the jump in that sophomore year that McKenzie made from his freshman to sophomore year, forget it. I mean, we may be talking about Dylan Gabriel – um, Heisman candidate for the next couple of years. Dylan Gabriel statue in front of the stadium. Dylan Gabriel national champion. All these are all dreams right now, but it could be reality. And this year is the year where we really start to see him come out of it and make a name for himself nationally. 
I should also note that uh, Gaston Moore is the uh, walk-on. He's he's serving in the the Hayden Kingston role, I guess, for this year as the uh, as the as the walk-on quarterback. The green uh, jacket. The green jacket you get guy. The green jacket. I don't know. I don't know if that's a passing him uh, passing the torch situation. We should we should you know, hook up with uh, Hayden and find that out. I think t- two things that I um, I'll comment on. So one, uh, you got to feel really good for Quadri. Because, again, he's a kid. He, he walked on. He's from Orlando, wanted to stay home, walked on to UCF, probably could have gone to some smaller schools. You know, obviously, then, you know, you get McKenzie there. You got Dylan Gabriel there. Brandon Winbush comes in. Daryl Mack is there, right? There's just a bunch of people in front of you. And he buys his time by all accounts, um, you know, did everything he was supposed to do, and then said, okay, let me let me look someplace else. You know, got there, and after a day, instead of being like, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick this out, was like, no, nah, this is where I need to be. Got back to Orlando, kept working, didn't complain, and uh, and look where he's at, right? He's in a position now where you know he he may get some significant minutes this year. And if knock on wood, anything happens to Dylan Gabriel, I think the entire team feels comfortable that that Quadri can step in there. So you gotta feel good about Quadri um, and feel good for Quadri in terms of what he's been through. And with with relation to Dylan Gabriel, I think you mentioned quarterbacks taking that you know that second year leap. I think the other important thing is going to be how much is Hypel going to let Gabriel do this year? I think it was very early on in the season; it was pretty apparent that Gabriel was kind of one read and, and, and go kind of guy, right? Um, a lot of that's Hypo's offense too, right? Quick reads, get the ball out of your hands, get it to the playmakers, move on. Um, but is Hypo going to loosen a little bit of the reins and, and let Dylan, you know, have more control of the offense and more control over, you know, where he throws the ball and let him have a couple different reads? Will the offense adjust to uh, to allow that to happen? Will, it, will we be more multiple in what we do? I think it's going to be really interesting, that dynamic, um, because we we saw a little bit uh, of it with McKenzie. I feel like the McKenzie offense that that ran under Hypel obviously was way different than the Dylan the Gabriel offense that ran under Hypel. So will will we get a little bit more of that? What role does um, you know does the new co-offensive coordinator Anthony Tucker has been there obviously, but Golesh coming in? Uh, I think the coaching around Gabriel in the year two will be just as interesting because I think we see the talent, but you know will they kind of let the reins off him? Um, and you know, will he be able to kind of have the ability to, to make that leap that we saw from McKenzie? I guess that'll ultimately be, um, a big thing to look out for this year. All right. And how much will he move around in the back, escape the pocket? That's the thing that made McKenzie the greatest is the ability to take a bad play when he was getting pressured and run around for a couple of seconds and then find an open guy or just take off with his legs. It's hypo telling him not to do that because one, he was scared after seeing what happened to McKenzie, mm. or two, just because he was a freshman and he didn't trust him to to do that, and he wanted to keep his eyes downfield and just try to make plays. We'll find out more this year, and I don't think we can play scared, but at the same time, we we got do have to be careful with this kid because he is the future man. Well, similar to the tight end, I think you have to you have to keep him honest. You have to let the defense know that's a possibility that. You know, if we if we you know crash down on the back on on the mesh point, that Gabriel's going to take the ball and run with it. Like you have to keep that possibility in the back of the head of the defense because if if you don't, then obviously you know that's easily easily defended. So I don't, I don't know that we want him to run as much, but I think we have to have the the tape and the film to show that he will and he can if he needs to. And I think ultimately that'll be hopefully when we use him in spots. I I I hope I think Heupel's done with this offensive you know, quarterback draw sneak kind of thing. I think that was a Mac package. Um, and I, maybe that he's kind of, you know, evolved from that, but you know, Gabriel's got to keep him honest every now and again, if, if they're going to give him, you know, that, that whole side of the, of the line, just make sure he slides better than he did a few times last year. And hopefully we'll, uh, we'll come out on top. And then really quickly, Mike, the specialist, um, I think we know Andrew Osteen will be the punter. 
Um, you know, he had a solid year. He, he wasn't used all that much. Um, you know, solid year. Hopefully he continues to get, to get better. Alex Ward will be the long snapper. Again, uh, a, a position you don't know his name until all of a sudden we don't have one. And then all of a sudden it's a big issue. But uh, Alex Ward has been back there uh, for a second season now. I think he'll, he'll be fine. The kicking game, uh, when Heupel brought this up, Mike, he, uh, he mentioned Obarski and how, how well he'd kick. So I got to believe Obarski has nailed down the kicking job. Um, and, uh, and we'll see how that works out. Obviously he's got the leg. Uh, does he have the accuracy? I think will be the important part there. All right. We, we talked about it how many times last year, but the kickoffs out of bounds, we didn't get to see him kick too many field goals. Dylan Barton did a good job back there last year. So we're going to get a shot to see him. Uh, I mean, our offense doesn't kick a lot of field goals to be honest, but there is going to be a game at some point this year where whether it's a field goal to win it at the end or, a field goal right before halftime to change momentum of a game like we saw in Memphis in 2018. Or There's going to be a big kick at some point in this year. And can this kid hit it? That's that's going to be the thing. I mean, he doesn't have to be the greatest kicker of all time. Like I said, we score touchdowns more times than not. But there is going to be one or two times this year where we're going to depend on Obarski, and he's either going to be the hero or he's going to be the GOAT. Just That's the life of a kicker. And hopefully he's up for the challenge. Um, Osteen... A good year last year, young kid, and you always like to see progression out of him. So these guys look solid for now until they're not. That's the thing with special teams. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you're good until you're not anymore. Yep. Right. So um, we're going to find out, man. It's, and there's nothing else we can do. Just wait and see. Sometimes, guy, I had a baseball coach used to call it white line fever. I mean, guys are great in practice. And then you get into the game, you get in between those white lines, and all of a sudden you can't do it anymore. So maybe Obarsi may struggle with that who knows we're gonna find out so hopefully he's, he's the kicker we're looking for if not we got guys behind him ready to go. and then we got the return game like the kick return uh largely last year handled by adrian killens he had the most kick returns two other guys that actually had kick returns or credited on the on the team were uh, marlon williams and mintavious thompson um so i don't know where we go kick return wise obviously we've got a ton of speed we talked about o'keefe we know kevin ahmad as uh, fast we know Jalen robinson is fast uh mintavious thompson obviously is a is a freight train I don't know where we go kick return, Mike. I, I think you give Jalen Robinson a, a crack at it. Maybe you keep uh, Bentavious back there. I don't know where you go kick return. Then punt return, Otis Anderson was our, our primary punt return guy last year. 21 uh, returns. I think Marlon was his backup. He had four returns. Um, Otis only had the one touchdown only, but only had one touchdown against Pittsburgh. But I'm curious if they keep Otis back there, Mike. I, and we're going to ask so much from him on offense. I think last year and, and the year prior, there was a concerted effort to kind of get the ball in his hands because he's a playmaker. You know, if that changes, you know, do we want to risk him out there, you know, on, on some of these punt returns as well and, and keep him healthy and keep him, um, you know, keep him fresh for the offensive side. So do we try a Jalen Robinson? Do we try a Ryan O'Keefe? Does somebody else maybe take the, the, the punt return jobs? No, uh, no information there, Mike, but it'll be interesting to see who ends up uh, lining up back there because as, as, we, as we saw with the Mike Hughes era, you know, special teams and, and return touchdowns and a threat to return, particularly on punt returns, kick returns. You can just, you know, high, you know, uh, on a high five, it. Uh, you can just fair catch that thing and get the ball at 25. It seems like that's the new norm, Punt returns though. I mean, that's a, that's a game breaking opportunity. Have we not had a kickoff return for a touchdown since the reservation for six and the last think, two years, right? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. And that is a, some, that's a staple of UCF special teams going all the way back. Smoking Joe. Yeah, way even before Smoking Joe. I, but Smoking Joe was great. You're right. But, um, yeah, we don't know what to expect out of these guys. Otis, if he wants to punt return, put him back there. You know, that he was good at it. 
We saw what he could do against Pittsburgh. He has had a couple uh, muffs here and there, but he's, if he gets that cleaned up, I mean, the guy is dangerous. He can score on any kick. Um, kickoffs, there's a list of guys to go with. And if Jalen Robinson has experience, he wants to do it, put him back there. I, I, I don't even know who to pick from. There's so much speed. <laughs> there's so much speed. They're all interchangeable guys. And you can't be worried about guys getting hurt because, like I said, if somebody does happen to get hurt, we have plenty of guys to come in and, and fill the roles of running backs or receivers or whoever, whoever it is back there. So put the best guys back there, the best, the guy that gives you the best chance to get scoring position and the guy that is safest with the ball. Do, whoever doesn't fumble. That's what I want. That's the worst thing you can do yeah. is muff a kick and give the other team the ball right there. With our offense, we can score in under two minutes from anywhere on the field. So just catch the ball. And if you score a touchdown, great. If you get a 50-yard return, great. But if you don't turn it over, that is the most important thing. Well, we'll see, Mike. That is, uh, I don't know where else you're going to get an hour-long position-by-position depth chart breakdown than right here in the Suns UCF. We'll see how close we are to getting this right. Uh, Depth chart should come out uh, sometime in the next uh, seven days-ish, seven, ten days. So, Hopefully we'll, we'll get a chance to see. I know Hypel does that thing, though, where he says, you know, person A or person B or person <laughs> C. So you may never really get to know. And obviously with all the talent we have, uh, there there's some, you know, some multiplicity that can take place. I think the positions that were, you know, I think you and I highlight that we're most concerned about are the defensive backfields, what, we're, what we have there, uh, and the offensive line and kind of what that rebuilds. So I guess those are, those are two spots that we will keep a close eye on as it gets closer to game time. But coming up next, a staple of the Suns of UCF is also – the weekly pick segment. We're doing something a little different this year and um, Mike will come back and we'll explain to you exactly what we're doing and how you can get involved. Stick around. Sons of UCF coming right back at you. Mike versus everybody. All right. Mike versus everybody. I think that's what we called this segment a few years ago. I forget. We have so many sounders here. Uh, but uh, if you're new to the proceedings, uh, last year we had the the good fortune of each week bringing on a a celebrity prognosticator, celebrity guest, if you will, and uh, and Mike and this person would go back and forth and pick out a couple of games. I don't I don't know how you fared last year, buddy. Do you do you remember your record off the top of your head? <sighs> last year was not as good of a year as the first year. The first year I did pretty well. I think the first year I was you know, six seven games over 500, which you'll take as a gambler. Last year, I had a few rough stretches. I know there's a couple of 0-3 weeks mixed in there. Uh, it, it turned out to be not as bad as I think, but I think I was a few games under 500. I think overall for the two seasons, I'm right around the 500 mark, which, I mean, that's basically everybody that gambles. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, last year was not as good, but this year we're, we're focused and we're ready to bounce back here and get back on track taking it one game at a time we're going snap to whistle mike's ready to compete at all phases of the game so uh and and in case you're curious so typically mike picks games that have some sort of a tie-in to ucf uh, or the american conference so we're not just picking you know the the crappiest games in the schedule or you know whatever uh they typically have some sort of a connection to ucf either again a team we're going to play or the, or the team we are playing that week as well mike uh, but i know you you kicked off something new uh, and you got a bunch of people involved so far. So let's uh, enlighten us all on what we're going to do this year and how we're going to make the pick segments uh, even better than it was last year. All right. So the first year it was just me doing the picks. And last year we had a different guest every week. So we we brought on all kinds of guys, ex-players, 
I think we had uh, your wife on at one time. Kids. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard <laughs> yeah. finding a guest every week, friends. <laughs> we had a bunch of people, but uh, this year I figured you know we've been getting the the fans involved now with the buy sell segment. We've had a lot of success and a lot of fun with that. I said, why not get all the guys that listen to the show, girls listen to the show, get involved and and play with us. We set up a league online. It's uh, I want to let me get the right. Um, website here i believe it's www.pooltracker.com p-o-o-l tracker.com and there's still time to jump in just because the first week only had three games and and to be honest most of you guys stink like me (laughs) i went oh and two for the first first two games and uh, what's the score now of the navy and byu game are you keeping track uh i am not but uh give me just a second because i think i know i picked navy and i think a lot of guys on here picked navy uh, a lot of us picked the American Conference teams. So they did not fare well against oh, the spread. It is now what's the score? Thirty-eight nothing. Oh my goodness gracious! All right. So, point is, you still have time to get in on it. You will not be far behind. And I think there's a a handful of players that got one game correct. Uh, PoolTracker.com. Make picks every week, and this is American Athletic Conference games only. Okay, so UCF. We only pick pick games in our conference against the spread. Okay. Cause anybody can just pick winners, even though I think a lot of people probably would have picked Navy, <laughs> <They're dead wrong. laughs> but uh, against the spread to make it fun and it's free to play. And we will have some cool prizes. We've discussed uh, offline what we're going to give. We're definitely going to have some cool things to give away. Maybe some tickets to a game in the future, uh, a couple t-shirts and a couple of our sponsors are going to jump in and, and throw prizes in. We'll have a nice, prize pack at the end of the year for the season winner uh, and, it, and it's cool for bragging rights you know, everybody likes to talk about how they know football and, and they can pick games yeah you think it's so easy coming on here every week and picking three four games and, and having a good record it, it, let's see how good you are get on the, the, the site now pooltracker.com um the password is shacket 2020 um the link the pool name is sons of ucf pick them so I, I guess you could probably search through that if you need a link, I've posted on Twitter many times. Go to my page on Twitter. I, I have like six posts on there with, with the link directly to it or even on the dungeon message boards. If you haven't seen it on there, go. there's a couple of threads on there about it. You still have time to sign up. Get in there now. 54 participants, as I'm looking at this right now, Mike, to your point, there are 11 people who are uh, sitting at one and one right now. Uh, so that, uh, that's where and, and the rest of us are all down there well below that. Uh, my favorite is uh, there is a a guy or person whose name is UCF is my idol. Uh, I'm sorry, UCF <laughs> Mike is my idol. He is uh, he is or he or she is uh, is Owen too. So uh, we've I, got we got some people in there. I know who that guy is, and you know who he is too. I, you, can you not see the names of the? Other, maybe I'm just. I didn't click on. I'm actually just name. looking. At, hold on. I'm just clicking on. No, I can't. I can't see his name. All right, it's our friend Ricky. <laughs> ah, there you go. Well, that uh, that explains all of that too. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll try to do some fun prizes as as this thing kicks off. You know, we will have some people come in and uh, we'll we'll call you up and have you come on the show and you know give us your uh, your inside info on what you're picking this week or where you went with or how your strategy's working, whatever. You know, we'll have some fun with it. Um, and uh, and again, we'll have some prizes coming up for the end. So stick in stick in with us. Obviously, it's going to be an interesting season with all the things that are happening, but. Uh, uh, we always enjoy the pick segment. If we can find some guests that want to come on and pick some games, we'll try that every now and again too. But uh, guests are few and far between these days on picking games. Some people are weird about you know gambling and betting and whatever their real jobs are and blah, blah, blah. So 
right. it's hard to get coaches, guys that are coaching now. Like I know when we talked to Schneider, we said, "You want to do the pick second?" He's like, "No, no, no, I gotta stay away from that." Yeah, yeah high school coach. Guys, people but, feel uh, like with UCF don't want to get involved or home if they're on media, then they can't really do it. Like a you know, Kyle Israel does some stuff on media. I don't know, you know, he actually did pick games for us, so I think so. Um, <laughs> you know, who knows? But we'll we'll have again. This this show is about you guys, so we'll have we'll have a bunch of uh, a bunch of fans on there. All right, I mean, just brainstorming here on the show, maybe throwing into that prize packet the winner at the end of the year. If you want to maybe come on and be on the show and maybe do the cow of the week segment, you know, throw your own cow out there. I mean, we could do something like that. Or Mike, Mike and I'll take the week off. You do the whole show. <laughs> just let, there you go. Let us know when you're done, and we'll uh, we'll put the finishing touches on it. So uh, <laughs> either way, uh, we'll we'll retweet out that link uh, here sometime this week, so you have a chance to take a look at it, and uh, and maybe we'll start uh, giving you some insight on what those prizes are. So uh, be sure to enter. Be sure to listen. And uh, we wish you all the best of luck. Coming up next, though, we don't wish these people good luck because they're cows. And wait, wait. Whoa. Oh, do you want to do some picks or what? I got oh, picks oh, oh my go. bad. I didn't even know. I'm just rushing the show along here. I'm like, what do you got? All right, let's go. What do you got? Let's go. I mean, you told me we're doing a pick segment. Maybe I'm, I did. I'm I, I apologize. I, my, my, that's, my, that's bad producing on my part. Now, maybe I'm putting myself at a disadvantage in the pool, letting you know what I'm, I'm going with the picks, but whatever. I, I, I'm not going to win the prize pack. I'll put it that way. If I win, I'm not, I'll give it out to the second place winner. But here we go. The first season I asked for music, you gave me some music a couple times. Second season, we had guests on. We had no music. I don't know if we're having music this week, but you, you do. Want, throw do you it want, in there. Do you want music back? Okay. I well, let me for, for, Okay. I'll write this time down. Okay. All right. The picks of the week for week two in college football. Um, like I said, we're going to American Conference games. This week, we've already had two American Conference games be postponed. So East Carolina Marshall off the schedule. SMU TCU off the schedule. Leaving us with only a few games to pick from. So game one, Tulane minus nine at South Alabama. Tulane gave us a tough game last year. Everybody remembers. We squeaked it out there. I believe only by three points. And South Alabama played in week one. They defeated Southern Miss. They beat them so bad, Southern Miss coach had to get fired. <laughs> He's got to go. <laughs> and last year, South Alabama hung with Nebraska in there for a little while. Even though they only won two games on the season last year. They're a respectable opponent for Tulane. I, I'm going to go with Tulane to win the game, but South Alabama with a backdoor cover, nine points. I, I say Tulane wins by six or seven. I'm taking South Alabama to cover game one. Wow. And, and the American Conference has left me with low confidence for going into week two. Uh, that plays a factor into it. But I had Memphis, they didn't cover, and I had SMU, they did not cover. So I have no confidence now in Tulane. All right, game two. Like I said, we're low on American <laughs> Conference games. <laughs> I like how you keep having to throw that in there. <laughs> I, I couldn't find a, a spread. I, I don't know how valid the spread was. I saw for the Tulsa Oklahoma State game, so I'm not even going to use it. I I tried I tried to keep with the same website for my spread, so I couldn't find a spread on there. Uh, so I'm going to throw that game out for now. I'm going to go with the Georgia Tech game since we're playing them week two. Georgia Tech plus twelve and a half at FSU. Georgia Tech, our first opponent. Like I said, this is a little preview for us, what we got coming up. Mike Norvell, first game at FSU. Is he going to try to make a big impression on the donors and the fans over there? Probably. But uh, how good is FSU? Did they beat anybody by 12 and a half points last year? I don't even know. I'd have to go back and check. These two teams did not play last year. I say Georgia Tech keeps it close enough, although they do fall to FSU. Something... Like 
Georgia Tech, I mean, it'd be great if they could win this game. I mean, we're all going to be pulling for them this week. But I, I don't know if they have the firepower to do it. But I'll take them to cover the 12 and a half. I got, uh, by the way, I got Oklahoma. I have a line for Oklahoma Tulsa here on CBS Sports. Was it 21? 21, yeah. Yeah, I saw 21 too. But uh, eh, I'm not going to pick that. Stay away from that. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll stay away from it. Game number three. I, I'm not picking that game because I want to pick this game. Citadel <clears throat> plus 17 at the Cows. This is the Cows' best chance for a win this season because, as we know, they're not very good. New coach Scott coming in this year, and they seem to have some. Uh, they're a little hopeful, I, I would say. But this guy can come in and turn it around. They just don't have the team to do it. Man. Uh, Citadel last year beat Georgia Tech, and Citadel the year before that was tied 10-10 with Alabama at halftime. Everybody remembers that was the same day we played Cincinnati and the game day game. I remember leaving the hotel; these guys were tied. I was like, "Holy crap! What the hell is going on here?" So Citadel is able to step it up for a week, at least once every year. This may be their chance to to, to beat a, a big big time team. I guess probably the Cows are probably one of the biggest teams on their schedule. Um, 17 points is a lot of points. I, I think this is going to be a close one. Man. I, I, I think the Cows are going to come. The Cows may pull it out, maybe with a kick there at the end. But... There's always a chance that something like the FIU 2015 game, maybe that kick gets blocked. Maybe the Cows lose this game, and this is the beginning of their season where they do not win a game. I'd love to see it. 17 points, though, still a lot. I don't think the Cows have fire. Who the Cows can beat somebody by 17 points? <laughs> can the Cows score 17 points in a game? I mean, they, they may need a special team score or maybe a defensive score or something crazy to happen to score 17, 20 points. You tell me Citadel can't put up 10. And the Cows would have to score 27. I don't think that's happening. So give me the points. Give me Citadel plus 17 against the Cows. Wow. I mean, the only thing with Citadel, looking at their if I have their schedule correct, they're only playing four games, I think. Um, they're playing Cows, Clemson, East Kentucky, and then Army. Uh, and looks like everything else is postponed. I'm not sure if that'll get changed. So uh, who's playing? Are they, are they playing their full team? Are people opting out? I mean, they, they may be playing like the JV squad. I, I mean, the cows don't seem to have much together, but uh, um, I don't know what Citadel is bringing to the table. That may be risky on that one. I don't know. Maybe Citadel is looking past the cows for the Clemson game. <laughs> <laughs> That's possible. <laughs> it, is, it is certainly possible, although they're playing the same offense for both weeks, essentially. So maybe maybe that will give them a, a chance. Okay, well, these are, these are UCF Mike's official picks. Uh, I assume he'll have these in his poll, uh, pool tracker, poll track, whatever it's called. Uh, as well, so you uh, you can find it there. And uh, if you think you can beat Mike, uh, log in, sign up, make your pick, and uh, and win some stuff. It's that easy. Mike, good luck to you, buddy. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, from what I'm seeing, the competition in this group is not that great. I mean, I, I had yeah. the same two two losers. You you picked two losers. Uh, did you pick Navy too? I don't even know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I had 38 nothing. Yeesh. Here's what happened to me. I wasn't committing to picking at that time. I thought I, would, I was just signing up. And then they're like, you need to make your picks now. I didn't have a time to research. I wasn't in a place where I could research. So I just no, kind of no, went Don't off make any excuses. You, can, that's, make, that's, okay, you are... can make picks up until kickoff of the game. So you could have made the Navy pick uh, up until 8 o'clock tonight. So I don't want to hear any of those kind of excuses. Right. And you can change your picks too once you make them. All right. Well, no. And I'm not going to say anything. I invited this other guy that does prognostications on another podcast and we've talked about him before our friend money move mm. his lock of the week was navy 
<laughs> so, um, maybe he's off to a little rough start there this year. Happens to all of us. Well, hopefully he's not going to be Cal of the Week. But the name like Money Moo, you never know. But uh, now we'll do that break part, Mike, where we'll come back with Cal of the Week. So, uh, stick around. You know it's coming up. This is UCF Athletic Director Danny White. And if you don't want to be the Cow of the Week, you need to listen to Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Charge on. Go Knights. All right, my Cow of the Week. Uh, it's been a packed show. Uh, things move uh, quickly around here, Mike, while you and I were in that little break. Uh, looks like uh, Michael Klubiali is going to be on the Jags uh, practice squad and Rashad Kazi will be on the Dolphins practice squad. So two more nights heading uh, heading into the NFL. But uh, uh, Cow of the Week is our staple segment around here. We tell you someone who did something kind of silly and uh, and we don't like that. And so uh, let's see uh, let's see what we got. Cow of the Week, Mike. You go first. All right. Some options here. You know what? I just told you right on the break that I was going to go with Desmond Howard for picking Cincinnati to go to the college football playoff. But I, I just now I changed my mind again. Oh, wow. And, you know, Desmond Howard, I mean, at least he's picking a group of five team. I'll give him that. So I'm not going to go crazy about him. It's Cincinnati, which, uh, you know what? Who cares? If Cincinnati's getting this hype, that's better for us in this season. Once we beat them and wipe the floor with them, that'll give us more credit then maybe we can go back to Desmond Howard and say, hey, you, they were your pick at the beginning of the year to go to the college football playoff. We just beat him by four touchdowns. What do you got to say about us now? So I'm not going to make him the cow. But I am going to make the cow is we've discussed throughout this show now, Navy. Navy football, what the heck's going on? <laughs> These guys are supposed to be one of the top teams in the American. And maybe I should just make the American as a whole for week one because Memphis did not look that impressive. And maybe – you know, us as UCF fans, we should start giving Arkansas State a little bit more credit. You know, after the pounding they put on us in the Cure Bowl one year. Mm, sure. And now everybody in the poll that we've talked about picked Memphis to cover, what was it, 14 or 16 and a half points, I believe. And their kicker is what cost us that, that spread because I think he missed a field goal and an extra point. They only won by 13. Uh, the American Conference has not looked good throughout week one. SMU. They didn't have an easy time with Texas State. I think that was a tie game at halftime. And Navy now, what's the score? It was 38 nothing. still 38 nothing. Uh, yeah, Maybe I haven't even checked. Yeah, probably. Probably worse than that. I mean, come on. American Conference, let's go. Every year we talk about this to coming into the season. We need these teams to be undefeated when we play them. We need these teams to be highly ranked. How are we going to get the respect of the voters and this and that? And then they do us no favors right off the bat looking sloppy. At least Navy's not on our schedule this year. All throughout the offseason, I've been saying we should have gone to 10 conference games and we would have added Navy. But um, now BYU is just wiping the floor with them. Everybody's cl- clamoring for a UCF-BYU game. BYU may not be as easy of a game as we all thought. But um, that's still a possibility. But Navy, 38 nothing to start the season. Cow of the week worthy. I mean, put some points on the board. Do something. Show some respect the American Conference, and you mentioned it. These guys haven't tackled. Maybe the co- the coaching staff is the cows. These guys go through a whole preseason and don't tackle each other? What do they expect to happen when the season kicks off? Oh, man. You, you hate to, to rag on the Navy and the Army and the Air Force, any of the service academies, but come on. And wh- how much time is left in that game? Is it still the first half? Is it the third quarter? <laughs> it was the third quarter. <laughs> third, My goodness. 38-0. Ugh. All right, Navy, you're the cow of the week for week one. 
Yeah, it's, it's not looking good for Navy. Uh, they, to be fair, they got a true freshman quarterback. They lost. Uh, they don't uh, throw the ball. <laughs> uh, Malcolm Perry, who who's now on the Dolphins practice squad, or he's on the Dolphins roster as a running back. He was really good. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find any reason for Navy <laughs> to uh, to, and their defense is just playing horrible. I'm watching a highlight right now where it doesn't look like this guy even got oh, touched. They on don't tackle. Test. Yeah, <laughs> well, because they don't tackle. Yeah, that is uh, <laughs> that is precisely correct. Uh, Maybe. <laughs> They told him that tackling is still not allowed during the game. They're trying to be extra safe for Corona and all this. Maybe, yeah, that's a great point. Maybe no one got the message, the memo that uh, tackling uh, was was indeed allowed. Now, who knows? That's a uh, that's possible. Oh, man. Ugly stuff. Well, I mean, what you were you said this in the break too. I mean, everyone keeps asking for us to play BYU. I mean. Does this help us? Is now do we go and get BYU because hey they look really good and so now people think they're really good and we if we play them and, and beat them that'll give us some cachet. Is that does this help us if we try to go the BYU route? I mean, it would help if we played them next week coming <laughs> off this impressive week, <laughs> this impressive win. But then who knows? BYU ends up going I mean, four and five the rest of the way, and then we play them in in November. Nobody's gonna give us any credit. But yeah, if we played them next week. It, It'd be a hyped-up game. BYU's going to start getting votes now. BYU may be in the top 25 next week. Wow, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. You were... I mean, all these teams going to be dropping out that aren't playing. These guys look the most like the most impressive team in week one. I mean, there was only three games. But, yeah, they're going to start getting votes for sure. All right, well, maybe, maybe we need to get BYU uh, on the schedule. Who knows? Again, there's there's rumors. Who, I, yeah. It seems at this point it's not something Danny's interested in, or maybe it makes sense financially. But uh, I guess uh, I guess you never you never really know what you know. Um, here's a couple of cow of the week options I got. SMU played terrible again. You you kind of talked on the American, so I won't I won't yell at that. Uh, you talked about the game day stuff already too. I got two other ones really quickly. Uh, Miami fans are going bonkers because uh, De'Aaron King had some really good stats in a scrimmage. Uh, and this is, these are the same Miami fans who, A, always, you know, talk a bunch of trash about how the American's terrible and how nobody's good there and anyone can go and play in the American, blah, 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 blah. And now they have a quarterback straight out of the American conference and they're all excited about his performance in a scrimmage. Uh, the which, U is back, baby. The U is back. Now, look, I get in a scrimmage. It's usually uh, slanted more towards the defense in some respects. It's not uncommon for that to take place. But... I mean, come on, we're we're going we're going mad over a scrimmage uh, practice result. They have UAB on Thursday. Um, I kind of hope uh, you know UAB wins that one. Like, what do you? I would. That would be beautiful. And in the scrimmage, are they even allowing quarterbacks to get hit? I mean, I, w- I would think maybe he's putting up these numbers because you know guys are not able to come after him. Maybe he's he's taken off for a hundred yards and running. What are they doing? Who knows? But Derek King is a very talented quarterback. We know that. The guy is good. He's good. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ha- if he goes down there and has a really good season. But yeah. to get excited over a scrimmage, yeah, it's a little much. Yeah, I mean to be you know tweeting out scrimmage stats and how excited they are about how, you know how we looked in the scrimmage and yada yada yada. yada. Uh, again, who who knows? I mean, it's probably and that a little, may also sure. say something about their defense. <laughs> that also may say a lot about their defense, which is uh, something to consider too. The other thing I'll throw quickly, and I'm a Heat fan, Mike. The Heat were up three zero. Uh, Giannis breaks it, uh, not breaks, but hurts an ankle. He, uh, he, he leaves and we still find a way to blow that game to Chris Middleton. It looks like he's 42, but it's actually only like 28. And so the heater, my low key cow for not taking care of the, uh, the Milwaukee bucks when they had an opportunity to, but hopefully game five, Tuesday night, we will, uh, wind that thing down. I doubt you're watching any NBA playoff. There's no NBA in your life. I assume. Uh, not really, but I was at my cousin's house during that game and some guys were watching it. So I'd peeked over a couple times. I saw when you, Giannis got hurt actually, and then I saw the scores here and there. 
But um, you know, they're up three. They were up three nothing. I, I was telling the guys that, that were there, they're big time Heat fans. You know, I was once up three nothing in a series too. Where I was very confident, and uh, things did not work out great for me with the Yankees in two thousand four. I, I don't see it happening to the Heat, but it's possible. Wow. But now that they lost Giannis, I mean, you wouldn't think so. But they, then they won the game that he's out. So who the heck knows? We know, yeah. No one knows anything. It's it's uh, it's on. Uh, also, I know you're a big uh, Kentucky Derby guy, right? The Kentucky Derby was this uh, Saturday. Did you watch that? No, no, I didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, I tried to as well, and I was like, I don't even know what's going on here. I don't know who these horses are. It just felt it felt really kind of weird being on this weekend. I wasn't even tracking to it. So. Yeah, uh, usually I do tune in, but I didn't have any money on it this year. I didn't. Uh, I didn't tune in at all. That's my problem. I don't know when these events are because now my my calendar's all messed up. So I don't like I don't like, usually I know you know hey it's gonna be you know Memorial Day okay we've got we've got this coming up or hey it's gonna be you know Labor Day okay it's uh it's March Madness I don't even know when some of these events are like so I'm I'm all kinds of confused I gotta get my my sports calendar back recalibrated NFL starts on Thursday and I guess I'm used to a Thursday night start for the NFL but I didn't realize it was this week already I mean I'm all kinds of maybe I'm a calendar week because I'm all out of whack on my sports calendar I gotta tell you I don't know if it's coronavirus or just me getting older and, and having family obligations or whatever it is lately i've cared just about my teams like if it's not the yankees it's not the giants it's not ucf i i haven't really watched much and now you would think with corona coming in and sports being out for so long at least have some interest in in checking things out i haven't watched one second of any college football game yet i haven't watched any of the basketball playoffs i haven't watched i watched very little hockey i like watched the first panther game um i've watched even the yankees I'm not glued to it every night. You know, I check the scores here and there, and some some days they'll play a doubleheader. And I won't even watch any of those games. I don't know what it is, man. It, the Corona just messed up my whole sports thing. The only thing I know I will not miss is the UCF games, and I guess the Giants games too. They only play once a week. But NFL kicking off on Thursday. Eh, maybe I'll put it on just to see what it looks like. But I'm not really excited to watch the uh, the Chiefs and the Texans. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I guess. <laughs> Wow. And, uh, the Giants play Monday night. I'll, I'll watch that. Uh, yeah, you probably. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I have not watched a full uh, game of anything outside of uh, outside of NBA. Um, and I only watched a, like probably two of the Heat games in. To- Actually, no, I take them only one in totality. I think I walked away for a while in the other one. So, yeah, it's tough. It's again, it's, everything's out of out of out of whack, out of rhythm. I don't know what's going on. It's a wrong time of year. Uh, you know, I don't know. It just feels different. It feels weird. But uh, hopefully, you see a football coming back. We'll make it all all better for everybody, including you, my friend. Uh, as always, the Sons of UCF. We will be here leading you up until that glorious Saturday afternoon where UCF kicks off. We have one more installment of our preseason uh, review, if you will. Uh, it is the preseason Sunny Awards, Mike. I'll be working hard this week at coming up with the categories, and I will send out a uh, a link uh, via. I think you usually do that via some sort of a. Uh, uh, a messaging meeting site, uh, a voting site. So uh, I will send out a link uh, via Twitter, social media. Uh, I, we always love to get the fans' perspective, what you guys think, who's going to be what. We tell you if you got it right or wrong. So that'll be a good time as always. So keep an, an eye peeled for the uh, the Sunny Awards that be coming soon. And uh, and Mike and I, as always, we'll be here for you. UCF, uh, we're, we're so close. We're counting it down. We've made it. We've made it. We've almost made it. So, uh, so stick with us as always, and uh, we will talk with you all again very soon. As always, uh, we will say goodnight. I will say go nights, and Mike will say charge on. <laughs>